back Ooh. here on the Lights Out podcast. Uh, you know, we're doing our favorite thing. We got a deep dive going. Miguel Dorati, that's Mike Davis. Chris Lytle, he's out. You know, he was in Dubai last night, and he's in Monaco tonight. We're actually looking to buy land so that we can do, uh, you know, the Chris Lights Lytle, Out Hall of Fame. The, the Lights Out Hall of Fame. Freaking and, uh, order. We're only looking at really expensive land, actually. So Monaco, and he'll be in London, downtown London. He may, <laughs> he may boot the queen out for the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's not with us today. We are joined, however, by... First ballot. First ballot Hall of Famer. And maybe the first lady of modern MMA, Tara LaRosa. 100%. 100%. 100%. Tara, how you doing? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. When you came up, you fought for us first, but you were training out in North Carolina. You're originally from Jersey. Take me through that transition of, you know, Jersey to North Carolina and kind of getting into the pro scene. All right. Well... Let's go from the beginning. Uh, I'm born and raised in New Jersey, South Jersey, Woodstown, New Jersey. And um, I played sports pretty much my whole life, every season. Um, my senior year, I got into some trouble and I got kicked out of all school sports. I got kicked out of all extracurricular activities, which was like devastating. Although I'd already gotten my college scholarship for field hockey. So we were good there. Um, I got kicked out of basketball. I had lead in the play. I got kicked out of the play. Couldn't go to school dances, nothing. And so my cousin had a karate dojo, a Shotokan karate. He's a state trooper um, in New Jersey. He had a karate dojo. Shotokan's legit. Shotokan was one of those early martial arts that yeah, 100% it's, it's, legit. It's a little rigid. It's a little rigid. It's, yeah, it's so it's compared to everything else that was around at that time, Shotokan was probably one of the more legit martial arts. Right on. I got a question for you here. It's a question we ask all our guy fighters, but I'm going to ask you because you got in trouble. Were you fist fighting already in high school? <laughs> so grade school, I got picked on a lot. But when I went to high school, it was a little bit different because I was so involved in sports. They didn't mess with athletes. So I would just go about my business. And nobody really messed with me. This, this one girl, she did. And she was huge and she was a junior and I was a freshman and I was just like that happy go lucky freshman and whatever. And she didn't like me very much. And so she caught me in the hallway, like an after school special and was just like, uh, after school outside. I was like, okay. I mean, I'm back down, but I was absolutely terrified. I'm afraid of fighting. I always have been. So, um, like one of my, one of my buddies gave me like this pep talk and everything went outside she didn't show up. <laughs> right. She didn't show up. Well, that's a W. Right. That's a yeah, win, right? <laughs> yeah. hey, so hopefully you got happened. show money, right? Hopefully you got your show money. Yeah. You're from a real small town, right? A rural yes. area. Am I correct? Oh yeah. yeah. How many people were in your high school graduating class? Fifty-eight. But take us to North Carolina. How'd you get there? Okay, so college scholarship for field hockey. Uh, I went from. New Jersey, down to North Carolina. I played field hockey. Um, and so while I was in college, I got into judo. Because, I mean, I, ju I just told you I got kicked out of school sports. I got into karate, Shotokan karate. And so when I went down to college, they had a judo club. So I took it as an elective. Okay, cool. Yeah, I get credit for it too. Hell yeah. So I did judo every single semester I was in college, which was 
a lot more than four years. So I got into judo and uh, found out I was actually really good at it. Like I, I, like I did pretty good. I started competing and um, I, I, I mean, I, that's why I, like I was into it. I was really, really into it. North and South Carolina state championships, Midwest regionals. Um, oh. There's, there's a couple others. I blew Did, my were fucking, you, I blew were my you knee Olympic, out of nationals. Were you like a potential Olympic ladder type? Judo That's player? what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. That was what I was working on. I was working on uh, eventually climbing the ladder. I started doing bigger tournaments. Like I did the Liberty Bell Classic. I did all right. Did pretty good. Um, and I would do. I did um, nationals, senior nationals. But I was starting, just starting to do those ladder tournaments when i went to just this local little tournament i think it was like cherokee north carolina which actually has a really great judo club and good tournament for like a regional tournament and like in judo i was starting to get kind of like a a, a name locally for sure and i i got the spirit of judo award for that year and they they made this big thing and they awarded me. Now I had watched, I was a huge fan of the UFC. I love the UFC. And like, whenever I'd go home to my mom and dad's place, they had, um, they had direct TV. And so like, I would stay up. This is I'm like, I'm <laughs> like late teens and like in my twenties, I would buy pride or I would buy the UFC and I'd watch it. And like, I was just like all about it. I thought it was like the greatest thing. I run it from Blockbuster and shit like that. And I was just like, dude, I want to go train with Ken Shamrock. Yeah, Lion's Den. Yeah. The greatest ever. Dude, I was a Shamrock guy. So I was like, Hoist was awesome. Fuck yeah, the little dude. He just beat everybody. Hell yeah. But like, you know, Ken looked like... Hulk Hogan. Ken, he, he was, was like, like the Hulk Hogan of MMA. Yeah, he was a badass, man. Yeah. He was so cool. So I would go into judo. And I'd be like, dude. Someday I'm going to go train with Ken Shamrock. It's be awesome. And like and the internet was still kind of new and everything. That well, was new to me anyway. So this is like early, early 2000s. Like ninth, no, this is late 90s. So I would try to find everything that I could on like the Lions Den and like all those dudes out there. Jerry, Jerry Bolander, Guy Metzger. Dude, Jerry Bolander was like one of my childhood heroes. Dude, seriously. What well, Guy Metzger, Trey yeah. Telegman, those dudes like, Tiger I like everything about them. Well, I was like, God, these guys are so cool. I want to do this. So <laughs> after after judo would end, of course, I lived on campus. Some of us would stick around and most people would leave. And then we would like take off like our gi top, we just had a t-shirt on or whatever. And we would fight on the mats. Like, and that that's like kind of how I, I started, started, <laughs> started training. But back to what I was saying about this random tournament in Cherokee, North Carolina, these dudes were talking to me about what back then was NHB. And uh, I guess they had trained a little bit. They would fly out to Cali and train with Marco Huas. And awesome. yeah. And so they would train there. And then come back to Tennessee. They're just kids. We're all just kids. And they invited me to come up and train with them. And it was four hours away, ETSU. I saw still Salisbury, North Carolina, at Catawba. And I would drive four hours all the way up to ETSU and Johnson City, Tennessee on the weekends 
to train with these dudes on these old ass dilapidated mats from like 1962 <laughs> and in that nasty ass auxiliary gym i learned that i could take one hell of a fucking beating Jesus. get back up and take five more brings <laughs> us to our first fight and you know the thing about your career at least your first professional fight that i saw was at hook and shoot did you fight prior to hook and shoot I had one amateur fight. Yeah. Okay, that's I couldn't find that anywhere. It's it's list it's listed on it's listed somewhere. It's either on Sherdog or it's on um yeah, it's on Sherdog. It should be on Sherdog. I had submitted to Sherdog years and years and years. It lists you as uh, going ten minutes with Greta Spangler though. Is that's correct? Is there anything you can one tell ten about minute round? Was that was that one ten minute round? Tell us what do you remember about Greta? What do you remember about that fight? Yeah, what was the promotion? I remember. I remember my first fight, and I remember that this was supposed to be this like little blonde girl who was three and one. And she was one thirty five. I was like, they some they made me the main event just because I'm a chick. And so I get there, weigh in, whatever. And I'm nervous, so I found this table. I crawled underneath the table, put my sleeping bag down, just tried to chill out and take a nap because we were there way early. <laughs> so. Um, Apparently, where they were doing little weigh-ins, it was so informal. Like, it was like a bathroom scale or whatever. Uh, this girl was on the other side of the small little partition. And so I could hear her, and they're, like, talking. She, like, weighed in and everything. I didn't see it or anything. But when I did finally see her, she, she, was, she was all about, like, she was, like, 5'10", and she had these thick black braids like her corn rode out and everything and she was not 135 like at all man and so then this the first time i saw her was in the ring we were in the ring it was an old it was an old antique like train station that had been like abandoned for years a long time ago and so they would run it out for events so my first fight, well, my first MMA fight was in an old abandoned train stations. So this girl, she gets into the, the cage ring, into the ring. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, That's, she's not blonde. I don't think she's 135. But I'm like, all right, okay. Because the, ref was, mm -hmm. the yeah. ref's pointing at me and mm -hmm. the ref's pointing at her. And he says, go or whatever the hell they did. Because I don't remember. And all of a sudden, this chick, she fucking comes across the ring at me, and she gets bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger, and then she hit me, and I was like, fuck this! We're going to the ground! <laughs> so I grabbed the hold of her best I could, and, and thank God for judo, I put that bitch on the ground, and that was that. <laughs> that's, that's good. All right, so your first listed fight that I found was in Hook and Shoot, April 13, 2002. And... Yeah. You had a lot of rivalries, like I'd say throughout your career. I did. Your Aww. fights, a lot of like you know, your fights started before you even got there. And it was probably more of a mental thing to kind of get yeah. you geared up and going. And one yeah. of those people was was Shelby Walker. Mm -hmm. Could you walk us through how that fight came about? I kind of already know the answer to this, but our people at home certainly would find it entertaining. We're the people at home. 
So <laughs> this was now. Oh, God, I don't know. A, a year. A year and a half after I started getting really involved in tournaments. So I've been doing judo. So 2001, I did 21 tournaments in one year. Oh, wow. Judo and jujitsu. And I was just like, I was still in college. So yeah, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt off. you, but, but when you said that you took off for Eastern Tennessee and it was a four hour drive, I was like, no, 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 no. This girl's got enough car miles to compare oh, with yeah. Keith Mills. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. I, mean? oh, yeah, I sure. knew that you, you were a tournament rat. You'd sleep in your car. Oh, right, yes. right, keep, keep it going. Oh yeah, for sure. So I had, I had an 86 Chevy blazer. <laughs> one that had tailgate. So I, if it was hot, I just put the tailgate down and I'd sleep on the tail. I'd sleep on the tailgate or with my head sticking out, <laughs> but like I would take off and I drive to a tournament. And so I wouldn't, I didn't have a team. I wouldn't go with my team. Well, by then I got up with team rock, but um, I was the only one that would go to these tournaments. So I'd go to like, I'd drive to North Jersey. I'd drive to Kentucky. I'd drive to South Florida, Georgia, everywhere. Everywhere, wherever it was a tournament I found out about, I go to it. Um, and I became, I got a name. All I would do was go to a tournament. I'd show up, register, sign in. If there wasn't a women's division, I would do the men's division, which with Kip Collar was totally cool. He didn't care. Most most uh, promoters didn't care. So I went and I started to get a name at these tournaments. I would go. I wouldn't say anything. I'd go. I'd win. I, I well, usually won. It was very rare that I didn't win. Um, I'd win. I'd get my thing. I'd go home. That's it. So I started to get a name in, in jiu-jitsu. Uh, and then I found the underground, <laughs> MMA.TV, or whatever the fuck it was called back then. <laughs> this is after Moussel's. It wasn't Moussel's then. It was something else. It was like sub fighting, sub fighter, something. I Before yeah, that. something. So I was on there, and like I I would read most of the time. That's how I would find out about tournaments, because they would have it right there. There's a block, and they have like the itinerary for like the month, what year, whatever. So I would go, and I'd read the read the UG, and I was on the UG, and I'd occasionally put something up, and this chick got on there and she was talking about she's like whining and crying about not having any girls to train with so um like i put something up on there to kind of counter the sentiment because i didn't want other women looking at that and being just like oh well i guess i need women to train with it so i put something up about you know what it makes you stronger and better and more technical to train with men you know whatever i put my two cents in oh she didn't like that so we started to get into it. This is Shelby. Nice. So, so she was kind of being mean to you. Well, yeah, I, I was. At, she was I, a classic mean girl. She really was. God rest her. She was a mean girl. She really was. She was a. She was a pretty girl. She was a stripper. She always hair, nails, makeup. You know, all the nine and everything. She was a pretty girl, but she was mean. She was just mean as fuck. And me. I'm a fucking farm kid. Like, as you can see, like, I'm, I don't do all, like, <laughs> I'm not pretty, pretty princess. Never have been. So she would tell me shit. Like, she would send me, like, 
not emails. What was it? But, oh, AOL. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is back during the AOL days. So I was still on AOL. She would send me these messages on AOL about how nobody wants to watch me fight and how I'm ugly and I don't deserve <laughs> to be on any shows and nobody's going to pay to watch me fight and I'm not worthy of being on the show and I suck and na 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 like all the stuff like she, this is the shit she would send me in private okay <laughs> so I'm like huh all right cool I got you so when I guess I guess when I I I don't remember how I first got up with with hook and shoot with Jeff like I must have well, he was setting he was setting up he was setting up revolution and you know yeah that was an yeah. easy match for him to set up I think because- but this is this is kind of like before that though because like he gave me a ticket to UFC thirty five uh, he asked me to sum up that match and I I that that was what it was she got under your skin because she wouldn't train with men and you you just didn't think that she was really a legit fighter and. Nah. On top of that came the, you know, she had eight by 11s that she would sell and that sort of stuff like that, which again, yeah. is just not your style at all. So this was like oil and water completely. I was the exact opposite. I was the homegrown kid that, you know, I'm from the gym next door. Like I came in there, I was sweaty and nasty. And then I'd have to drive an hour and a half home and like, you know, like our, the roof leaked in our gym and it stunk. And it was just like, <laughs> like I came from like a, a real like hole in the wall gym. Like we, we weren't nothing so, fancy. So Miguel, any podcast that asks you to sum up this rivalry, it's probably <laughs> something you should listen to because that is a, that is a deep, deep question for only the most knowledgeable people. So you get, you get to Evansville. Did you drive or fly there? Who? flew i think he flew us in the women's show he went he he kind of went all out with it the first women's show was incredible for sure yeah 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 what was the year of it it was april 13 2002 2002 yeah guys guys there there was already 99 2000 2001 abu dhabi tapes that we were using as income as well so yeah we we probably were playing for playing yeah. tickets by that <laughs> yeah you, you, you flew us up there so you're with team rock at this time yep. and stacy jorgensen was in the corner of shelby and yes. this big rivalry finally culminated what what was weigh-ins like because there was a lot of shit talk like pages and pages and pages of shit talk on what you had said, a message board called MMA.TV. What was weigh-ins like? To be honest, I kind of don't remember. Um, I just, I remember that at the time, like I, I used to walk around. It's, it's, there's a lot to do with the way you present yourself. Now you can sort of, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. And that's okay. originally what I wanted to go into. So I know that a lot of it's about how you present yourself and then your character and shit like that. Um, I'm not for show. Like, I'm not a showy person. But and I carry myself in, in a particular way that I want people to perceive me as. So I dress, I would dress in, like, all black, like these black Adidas pants. And then I had this, this black, like, tank top that was, like, fitted and shit and whatever. And a black bandana that I had 
on my head and then blackout sunglasses. And like, that's just how I rolled. Like, that's how you saw me. You never really saw me any other way unless you like, we were chill and you like came to my room or I came to your room or some shit like that. But that's just how I presented myself because I also was nervous as fuck and I didn't want to look at people in the eyes. So I would always wear sunglasses. So now you've got like some chatter on the internet between the two of you. Mm -hmm. It's finally coming to fruition. Did you think that she was going to go through with the fight or were you, because in my opinion, like on paper, this looks like an easy layup for you. Do you think she was not aware of the depth and water that she was about to step into? Yes. Or, okay. So she was, she was coming off. She was coming off a fight against Judy Neff. Okay. Judy motherfucking Neff was, terrifying back in the day like she was the she was she was was like the pinnacle of you feared her okay so shelby had just fought her and so honestly after fighting her i'm thinking that there's shelby is looking at me like yeah okay this fucking chick whatever i'm gonna beat the ugly duckling and be awesome that's honestly probably what she was thinking and me just getting into the sport and like not being from a team that had done like that had a lot of MMA fighters like we did but low level like I didn't have any reason to think that like the fight wasn't going to happen or somebody was going to pull out like that never occurred to me because I have any experience with that so that was never a fear like I never knew about that until I started to get into the sport and I saw how shit worked I was like oh This is a shit show. Yeah, especially with women. I saw something on the I saw something on the internet that was interesting about this fight, and that was that uh, an old friend Jamie Levine tried to steal this fight. Yes, he did. Would you really? Would you repeat this story for us, please? Because yes, I will. (laughs) I've been sitting on this one for twenty years, (laughs) almost. (laughs) So. We're going along and Shelby's talking her shit and the hype train is rolling and um, we're, we're getting closer to the fight. I don't remember when exactly it was, but I had already committed to hook and shoot. Like I, I was already locked in what I thought was. And so I guess she actually either she contacted me. He contacted me to listen. Uh and he wanted to put the fight on his show, and he was going the to give me fifteen hundred bucks. That's pretty fucking good, right? So, <laughs> what did you get paid for the hook and shoot fight? I got three fifty to show and two fifty to win. That's that's probably yeah. So he tried to offer that's you fifteen hundred. That's huge. That's yeah. No, no, for sure. That's 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 a. I mean, it's your first real fight. That's yeah. that's actually a decent payday. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and. You know, you'd have to pay for your own gas to get there. But Jamie offered double the money, more than double the win, the money for for that fight. That's very interesting to me. And, and so, did Shelby try to contact you about swinging it over to that event as well? Yes, yes, she did. Yep. What made you say no? I, I ain't about that. It's not how it's going to work. It's just that's not. I already committed to somebody, and I've been talking to Jeff, and I put a lot of like heart and soul into it, and mental shit into it and i was fight, fucking fighting for hook and shoot and like i had i had seen i don't know how but i like like i i don't i should probably not say it this way i stalk the shit out of people like okay. so Fair i enough. would watch well all fighters shoot. are 
You, you know, yeah, like if, if you want to talk about like you want to find somebody that could be a good like you know a personal investigator, just speak to a fighter that's got a match coming up. They'll tell you everything uh-huh. about their opponent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! I could. So I used to be able to tell you like how far somebody lived. This is this is bad. Like I could tell. I knew how far people lived from their gyms. I knew basically what their daily routine was. If they had kids, if they had a full time job. What their obligations were, because I wanted and to know how much time they were put into training. This is pre-social media. Yes, it's yeah, right around that time when yeah. social media was kind of starting up. But I would like find things out because I would I would talk to people. Okay. And I would eventually talk to somebody that knew something about somebody, and I would find out. Like I wanted to know how much time you were dedicating to training. Were you in the gym for an hour three times a week? Or were you in the gym for six hours a day, every fucking day of the week, and so, you ran in the mornings? Like, so how does this culminate to show? Okay, so I was just, I was not having it. Like, I was already invested in hook and shoot. Plus, I've been watching all these people, like, like friggin' Jeremy Bolt and Scott Henze and um, Aaron Riley. Oh, my God, Aaron Riley is, like, one of my heroes. Like, Jens Pulver is my all-time fucking hero. Like Aaron Riley, I looked up to Scott Henze. Like I love these guys. Like John Rankin. Like these are the people that I like looked up to, and I wanted to fight on on Hook and Shoot too. This is where they fought, you know. It's where they like, fought. Hook and shoot right? was a Hook and Shoot was a big deal. Hook and Shoot and Ironheart Crown. Hey, Mike. Those are the two. The big Midwest. Those are the two yeah, respected both, both shows two. back in the day. Yeah, two big mid- Midwest events for sure. Yep, for sure. Yep, we didn't so really have committed- anything on the East Coast. You committed to hook and shoot, and that's what you stuck with it. And I mean, we're going to get to it, but because of that one decision where you lost $800 essentially by not committing to that, you probably got some of your biggest paydays of your career later on. Yeah, it was never about money for me. I didn't really give a shit. Like, apparently, like, I guess I must have intimidated her or something backstage. So we're backstage and everything. And so I have my headphones on and I'm dancing. I dance. I dance because I'm nervous, I'm yeah. ungodly nervous, so I dance. So if you watch me, you can't hear any music because it's in my headphones, but I'm dancing. Like It looks like I'm at a club, like we're going. And I'm the only one doing it backstage. And apparently she was across the stage room in the Evansville, the Coliseum. And so it's all grungy down there in the bottom and you come up the stairs and one person's on one side, one person's on the other side. And she must have been watching me and apparently I intimidated the shit out of her because I'm like smiling and I'm dancing. I'm just just staying warm. So there's that. And I walked out and then did whatever. It got it got in there and they announced her and she came out to back in black. And she was wearing red. <laughs> and I just remember that really annoyed the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> like, it kind of like pissed me off, which is so bizarre. It's such a weird thing. Like it's the strangest things that you that 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 are so vivid in a, like a high stress situation like that. I just remember being so annoyed about back in black, but she was wearing red. Like that makes sense. Um, That's hilarious. Right. <laughs> so so then she's in the ring and bouncing and thing this and whatever. And so it's, it's go time. And like, it's like, I don't have, I don't feel anything. I don't have emotions. I don't feel nothing. There's nothing there. Like, I don't, 
it's, I'm so nervous that I don't, I, I have my, the first 30 seconds of every fight is choreographed. Like I have a choreography that I do because I can't think I can't move. I can't act. Like if right. you want to fucking jump me, the best time to do it is in the first 30 seconds. Like seriously, <laughs> you're not going to, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. um, so I would come out, touch gloves, circle around, put them into their corner. But I I don't even can't even remember how that happened. But I think she might have punched me. I don't know if she punched me. It didn't register. It I didn't feel anything. Like, of course that happens a lot. I, I I don't know. I remember we went to the ground. It was sloppy. I think you got a pretty quick throw, and you went right. Yeah. To the eh. We went to the ground, and it, it really didn't last very long at all. It was only it was a minute forty two seconds, I think. And we went to the ground. I got mount, and I was just like, "Well, I'm just going to swing for the armbar, because pounding somebody else is a pain in the ass." And then I just remember that. And then back in black, but she's wearing red. <laughs> and so I just punched her in the face. Like I just kept punching her. I was just like, "Fuck yeah, you!" Yeah, you smashed her. You smashed her. So I just kept punching her and she tapped out the punches and that's when you see i guess sean brockmore came and waved it off and everything and you see her checking on him checking on her making sure she's okay and a single tear (laughs) rolls down her cheek as she's laying on the canvas so after you guys had your fight were there words afterward was everything settled or did you just walk apparently not she was still talking shit. She wanted <laughs> shot. Like she wanted a rematch. Like she wanted to do it again. I was like, we can do it in the parking lot if you want. <laughs> oh, that was backstage? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I don't think she wanted none that night. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's I think we were good. But she got back on the the forum she's talking shit. Fucking talking shit. I was like, Yeah, it is right. what it is. It, it's essentially you saw somebody that it appeared to me somebody that went and did the hard work, brought their lunch to work, you know, blue collar person, just not afraid, you know, to lift heavy items. And then, you know, somebody that would show up two, three days a week and is a little bit, a little bit pampered in regards to uh, preparing. You know, yeah, for, I think for so. Fight. I think that's kind I of the difference so. between you two. Um, Man, if, if I didn't get to do like if I didn't get to do my cardio at the gym, like before it closed, because I always trained at night, I do my cardio after I trained. If I didn't get a chance to, there was this little park like a mile from my house. I I drive down to this park and it was secluded and I would run around the track. It's in the middle of the night. OK, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'd run around the track. And then there was like a jungle gym, like monkey bars and shit. And I would like play on these, these monkey bars trying to do like, like pull-ups and single arm pull-ups and like, like all kinds of crazy shit that I could think of to do. And there's this, I just remember this big ass rock, this huge ass rock. And I would do like step aerobics on this rock, like for cardio. This is how I would train. Like you were perpetually (laughs) training. Yeah, you're yeah, that's all I did. That's all I did. My life was all about it. Every day I'd come to the gym in the morning and, you know, guess I could, <laughs> I was broke. 
I couldn't afford to drive back and forth and back and forth. So I'd stay at the gym. I'd sleep on the mats all day until training again at night and then go home. Like I, I have a lot of mat time. I, I've, I've slept on the mats a lot. Like <laughs> So yeah. you become like a kind of like a fixture with hook and shoot with Miguel and Jeff. And your second fight is against the Carlos Newton standout. Angela Wilson, I mean, your second fight on record, which Angela Wilson at this time, in terms of female mixed martial arts, she had a a, a name that people were touting as somebody that was at the potential of being special. Yes. And that's your, you know, your third fight on record, but your second real fight. Yeah. So what was the emotions walking into that situation? None. Same thing. Dead. And now you were listed as a freelance fighter. Was that a, a mistake by the announcer? Yeah, that was a mistake. With... Okay. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, I'm Team Rock. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's weird. No, that's totally so, weird. No, I was Team Rock till 2006. So in, in the first round, you ended it with, with a knockout, and it was, it was a hellacious fight with, like, no give on either side. And if I were to pick out a turning point, You've kind of got like a standing guillotine or attempting one, and she goes to fall back. And before she hit the ground, you lunge forward with a flying knee, and you just tag her oh, yeah. right That's in the right. eye. And she was never able to recover from that. No. Was that something I, you had practiced, or was it something you improvised at that time? Improvised. I mean, we practiced all that shit, but there was never, I never had, um, I never had like a full script. Like, it was just, I would just do, like, whatever we trained, you know? We did knees. We trained knees. Uh, You you nailed it. Like, with no hesitation, it was an absolute thing of beauty, and it just, it leveled. Like, any type of opposition that you were about to receive, it just, it ended at that moment. And it's such a unique way to throw a legal knee that I, I haven't seen men throw it like that, even in the UFC. Like, it's very interesting how you slid that in there. A little, you know, shine a little light on the Midwest. She used to go to the mall when she was in Evansville with her boyfriend, and they would hang out there. I'd be like, what, what are you guys doing? And they like, we count fat people. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, there's a lot. Yeah, in Evansville, lot <laughs> but that's what they did for a hobby. I remember them telling me that. I don't know. You know, you know the, the thing is, you know, she's from that. Canada. And usually anybody coming from Canada that's willing to make that drive to the United States, because more likely than not, they probably drove to that event. Always on weight, very polite, happy to fight. You know, like any teams that I've ever had out of Canada drive to my events in Chicago, incredible experiences that I wish local people had, you know, as much care and concern as as these out-of-towners did. Now, your third match was against somebody that you later grappled with. And you stayed within the shootout system. And it was John Renkin's event, and it was Shooto USA, and it was Janelle Marquez. Oh, Janelle! But she, Janelle Marquez, who is pretty talented in her own right. Oh, highly! Oh, dude, she was a wrestler. Yeah, dude, she was legit. She was legit as fuck back in the day. Yeah, dude, that was exciting. Uh, I I was so pissed. I was so mad. Her corner or her coach sent her out there to fight me by herself. It infuriated me. That pissed me off so fucking bad. 
I was so mad about that. I thought that was just the most that that was like the worst fucking thing. Like, I I was I was offended for her. Like I by now I had a couple fights and I I was allowed to have an opinion about things. You know. Okay. When you don't when you haven't done anything, you're not allowed to have an opinion about anything. Shut your mouth and fucking put your time in and earn yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. By then I was allowed to start having an opinion about things. Yeah, so. punch your card, you know, you're you're here for work, yeah. right? Yeah, don't yep. be late. Yeah, yeah. you're probably going to do some overtime today. No, no, I get that. I get that. And, you know, on your your fourth listed fight, you found you you found some uh, you encountered some adversity. And that was in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> AFC3. Adversity? <laughs> Man, that Jennifer Howe. You run into Jeremy Horns, still current girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Jennifer Howe, who at that time was 9-0. and Yeah. Jennifer Howe was certainly not somebody that uh, was easy to make a match for. And the thing oh, about, shit. I think by now, you know, we've been talking to Tara a little bit. If you don't know her, you realize that, you know. She's pretty alpha. She, yeah, she, you know, she's, she was one of the first people, you know, you think about it. She was one of the first people I said, you know, there's a concept there of what fighting is that, isn't men fighting and women fighting? And she gets there. It's just fighting at that point. It, 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 it's you know, it's I mean? a championship mindset. So that, yeah, like so, think, you absolutely have a championship mindset, and you can even see it right now. You're you want to win, and that's it. You yeah, know, it's you know, what's at every, the point? At, at, thank you. And you know, what's Jennifer, what's the point of doing it if you're not going to win? If you don't want to win, what the fuck are you doing it for? Yeah. So, so Miguel, my question to you is. I was a two-week fill-in. I filled in for, I think it was Angela Riestad. She pulled out or she was injured or something. And I took the Jen Hal fight on two weeks' notice at 125, which I had never made before. But I did. Well, I think that's probably the weight class you you, you were best at. Yeah. Yeah. So, Miguel, was this just trying to fill a spot? I mean, if she took it at two weeks' notice, honestly, like, I, I, I – I wouldn't be offended for Tara if that's the response because when you got to fill spots, you got to fill spots. And if she she agreed to take it, but yeah, were you guys trying to bring her along as someone that could possibly define a world champion at that weight class, or or what? What was what was your thought in regards to making that match? I think you know it's early in her career still, but I think at this point she'd already like I like I knew that I had a rotation piece. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that I had a pro, you know, that we could bring along and stuff like that. And that was somebody. So in this particular case, it's just another answer to another question of what you can, you what you can ask of people. She was within her rights to say no, but I don't think that crossed her mind. You couldn't say no, could you, Tara? <laughs> well, I just, I mean, he also offered me a thousand dollars. So why would I? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick a, like a moment in that fight that, Man, it was kind of shocking to me. Was the uh, the referee? He almost got me killed. Yeah, he gotten me killed. So, so you know, for those who haven't watched the fight, Tara had got rocked in early exchanges. Yeah, and I think he dropped you three or four times, and the referee just refused to stop it. Yes. Which <laughs> okay, which is uh, fine because I don't want you to stop it just because I'm a chick. Like she put me down the first time, and I got back up. She put me down the second okay. time. Wait, 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 Tara. Let's let's define this. 
-hmm. you got back up on your heels and were stumbling backward and the rope's catching you. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like the equivalent stand-up. Like, let's just say I get knocked out. I wake up and I'm trying to take the referee down and I'm not aware that I'm doing that. You did like the stand-up portion of that. Like you get, you get up, but you're, you're there, but you're not there. And you fall back into the ropes and you catch it with your elbows, possibly just instinctually, accidentally, and she drops you again. And then you somehow kind of muster your way up and she drops you again. And I think the fourth time, like that referee had absolutely no business. He had absolutely no, like as a promoter from the Midwest, I've had instances not as bad as that. But I, I went over and I talked to uh, you know the commissioner. I said, why don't we let this person sit the rest of the night? Yeah, I'm not saying never going to use him again. Let's just let him sit. And you got to let him know that that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Well, that was that was <clears throat> the thing about it is for me, my perspective, you don't want to see it, but there are guys that would have quit. So oh, this, for this, sure. So Tara, this is, you're a friggin' savage. This is where I'm you're talking about, about crossing over into a world yeah. where fighters are just fighter, you know, it's not a girl fighting anymore, it's just you know, instinct and fighting. And she was there, and the instincts that you see, you just that's something people will pay for. You know, you that, did not want to quit. No, that, no, Tara coming back and stuff like that. So I was, it was it was, I was too dumb to quit. <laughs> I'm too stupid well, to quit. Like I don't well, know. It doesn't register that something hurts. It doesn't register right. that I should tap. I just keep going. All right. So on, on one hand, I mean, you heard <laughs> me describe just like how awful that stoppage was, or that their lack of. But on the other yeah. hand, you got to see your grit. You got to see your drive, your will. Like you're completely exposed at that instance of who you are. And it kind of gave everybody a preview of what you were about to become because it was, you, you know, like I, what I usually do is I go frame by frame on a lot of these fights. And if I, I hear something, I will rewind, turn up the volume, rewind, turn up the volume. And your big concern sitting on that stool was like, I, I heard like, yeah, you know, you're okay. You're okay. You're like, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Like the most important thing of yeah. that moment for you was, no, no, I'm embarrassed sitting on this stool, I think is what you said to the commission. And yeah, um, yeah. that type of reaction is either going to make somebody quit, which you took a year off after that. Or I had reasons gonna, oh, to. Well, yeah. but, but, that's, that's my next question. And then yeah. after this, you go on this incredible run. And that's, that's the fork in the road. Like I've seen people get knocked out like that. And just, it's not for me. I'm going to go do a construction job or something like that. Or there's three things. They become a body and they go get paid to lose. Or in the very, very, very small percentage of the people that don't do either of those, they become a world champion. And that's what I took from it. I mean, it's, I can give you, you know, Angel Man Freddy. You know, I mean, that's, that's a boxing analogy. You know, like he lost two of his first like five, six fights. And, you know, then he goes on a 15 fight run, something very similar to yourself. So let's go on to that year, that year layoff. What happens there? Like getting down there, like for some, somehow we either missed the flight or something happened. The flight was canceled. We had to fly standby and my coach was just having a fucking shit hemorrhage. So I had to get him on standby. He went out before me and then I was like, don't worry about it. I got it. 
got myself on standby. Didn't know if I was going to even be able to get down there. There was something going on at the time. So I had to go through like three airports to fucking get there. Standby each time. And so got there. And at the same time, my boyfriend was driving my truck down the coast to make sure that if I got stranded in like Atlanta, I was going through Atlanta. If I couldn't get on a flight to Florida in Atlanta, he was going to swing by the airport and pick me up. We're going to drive to Miami or Florida. Oh, yeah. And so then from Atlanta, I think I was over to Tampa. So he was cruising down 95 and then. I had to make sure I got a hold of him so he didn't have to cut over four. If I could get I four, because that goes from Orlando to Tampa. I think it's four. Um, Cause he was going to cut over and pick me up in Tampa and take me over to Fort Lauderdale, but we're good from Tampa. I got over to wherever the hell I came into. So it was all good. Um, so there was that. And then there was having to cut to 125. This is probably the first time anybody y'all saw me naked because i was not i didn't give a fuck like i got i had to go check my weight and i was so miserable and so delirious and so just completely out of it and i couldn't i had no energy i couldn't get my clothes off i just took everything off and people were just standing there i think miguel and jeff and like a couple other people were like standing there i ain't give a shit i was like fuck it i'm sure they've seen plenty of people besides to go to that strip club after every fight anyway. Got on the scale. <laughs> hey, be, so, care, so, be careful, Tara. I'll tell the story. We had to carry you out of there one time. Oh fuck. <laughs> so let's, let's let's stay on course on this thing. So okay. how how so, how would what would at this time what was your walk around weight? Uh I think uh, the Shelby fight, I cut to 35 from 141. I think so that what, was- what, what made you think that 25 was a good idea at this point? Did you just change your diet up and your walk around yeah. weight became lower? I, I must have been walking around a little bit lighter. Must have been, you know, whatever. And of course, I was getting more into it and everything. So I hear how much like the guys were cutting and everything. I was like, oh, well, I can fucking cut that much too. Sure. You know, not did, knowing the entire science behind it. When did you compete in Abu Dhabi? Oh five. Yeah, oh five. Oh five. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so yeah. And so Trent, New Jersey. No, only because it, Long it, Beach. It, if it had been two thousand three, um, you were at Long Beach and you were at Trent, New Jersey. Oh five was Long Beach. Oh seven was Trenton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. someone was trying, and you know, I mean, it's, we're trying to go through your fights, but if I were going to take a break, I mean, now that we're on Abu Dhabi. Um, well, no, the only reason is she. she Jen Hale's 2003. We're up she to 2000. She had to make 32 for Abu Dhabi. So that's why I thought it might have played in there. But Mike, take it away. You you stay with the interview. Yeah. And let, let me just try to get this yeah, rhythm yeah, going yeah, before yeah, we start taking asking. breaks like that. So November 6, so, 2004, you, uh, you fight another. Um, chick, I think she was on a Payne Peters team. I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information on her, but she was really, really tough. And it was Linda oh, they gave Langerich. me after the Jen Hal fight. They gave me a 90 day suspension. Well, that's probably correct. But why did Medical you take your? Do you feel comfortable talking about your year off? Yeah, sure. What was the reason? So, 
<laughs> I went into that fight. I had two impacted wisdom teeth. Okay. My my face was messed up. Like I am a I have wisdom teeth problems. And then after the fight, after I got knocked the shit knocked out of I don't remember after that second knockdown, I don't remember the next 36 hours. Oh, I had to wow. stay in the hotel an extra day. And I couldn't fly home. Thank God he had brought that truck down because we drove. Oh, dude, I lost the transmission in Georgia and we had to stay in Georgia for five days, have the transmission rebuilt in the cow barn. Like, you don't even know about this damn fight. Let me tell you, I got a thousand dollars for it. Huh. <laughs> yeah, you got nothing. You but, probably lost. Yeah. yeah, so I went home, you know, I was on the suspension, so I couldn't do nothing so then i was like well fuck it i went and got my wisdom teeth all of them ripped out and so they tell you after that okay well you can't take any kind of like impact or anything for like four to six months i was like eh. so i knew that i could never i could never leave north carolina if i ever left north carolina i would probably never come back and finish my degree i had dropped out of college to start fighting so at this time i was like okay i'm on 90 day suspension i have to take four to six months and i can't get hit i'm gonna go back i'm gonna finish up my degree i didn't have much left i had like 20 credits left or some shit like that and i went back i moved back to salisbury and i actually i tried wrestling for my college because they tried starting up the team again and that was a disaster <laughs> um which is also funny stories, but so that's basically what happened. So, you know, I, that's kind of a smart move. Tie it. up all your loose ends. You got a yeah. suspension. Smart move. You I mean, yeah, it really I went, is. I went back to college and I graduated. I got my degree. That's good. That's so good. Now, that's I could, now I could leave North Carolina if I wanted to, because that was the one thing, one of the things other than Team Rock that was holding me there, you know? Right. So because by then I was obsessed with Militech and I really wanted to train at Militech. So it's about a year and a half off. And mm -hmm. you you want you, you stay within the shooto system, you're at Hook and Shoot again. And at uh, Linda Langerak, um, who came out of Canada, like you're fighting, you know, the Canadian top team here. And she's out of Payne Peters team, who um you know, back in the day, that guy, that guy had a solid squad, man. He did. And Linda was, was, was a savage. She was tough. Yeah. Yeah. She just you remember how that, Do you remember how that fight ended? All right. So we go in, I've been off for a while, get there. Everything's normal. Uh, I tried to do some shit with makeup and try to be more pretty and stuff. It didn't work out. I looked like a tranny. It was terrible. <laughs> so we get there, we fight, and then the first round, what was it, just two rounds? It was two How rounds in, in that first round. The shooter oh, okay. rules. The, the yeah. shooter system yeah. is like a catch system where, like, if you're in a tight submission, the, the referee used to race C, and it would subtract a point from the person on the receiving end of a close submission. And mm. you were in, earlier on in the fight, you were in a deep Kimura. Like a Oh yeah, she ripped my Kimura. shoulder out. Yes. She totally she dislocated my shit completely. You refused to tap. Well yeah. Why <laughs> would I tap? It yeah. was already done. She already fucked me up. 
Why are you going to you know, attack? That done. So in the second round, you get caught in a triangle um, prior to getting the mount. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and a second catch was caught. So at this point, based on the shooter scoring system, if you hit that finisher, you lost that fight. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yes. Oh, oh for sure. Shit. Damn, that's bad. Thank God I so, finished that shit. <laughs> yeah, you got an armbar. You got an armbar in a second. Yeah, well, I remember the end of it. I plainly, very clearly, I couldn't use my, my arm. I'm still... Uh, that's permanent. Wow. Is it clicking, I'm assuming? Yeah, it falls out. Is it really? Wow. 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 I've had, I've done rehab and rehab and rehab. I've had so many people look at it and try and fix it and try to do this. And now I'm not going to, I don't want to have surgery, but it's, it's permanent. It's, yeah, you know will. how, you know how at like, 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 um, Thanksgiving dinner when you go and you rip the turkey leg off the bird. Yeah. That's yeah. what it sounded like. That's what it sounded like up in my ear because it was like right there. Yeah. <laughs> how, how was, like dealing with Payne Peters and, you know, the Canadians after this fight. Wonderful people. Terrific people. Dude, they really are. I love Canadians. They were I wonderful. Like, they I, were, I, they were honestly, terrific. Yeah, I had no... You know, after that whole fucking Shelby thing, I never had really a problem with anybody. That's like, not true. That's not true. <laughs> we'll get to that. But that's... that's oh, Miguel, okay. 100% <laughs> not true. <laughs> So the first time I meet you, okay, uh, December third, two thousand four, you fought at XFO four. We had a girl that was six and one, Elisa Cantwell, uh, Monty Cox, and Jeff Coran are the promoters. So they yeah. bring you in. I, you're only four and one at the time, but your name um, is carrying like a lot of weight in regards to who you are. So you're fighting a girl with a, a bigger record, and Elisa Cantwell had fantastic hands. Like she, you know, she's on a uh, Damien DeCorus camp, you know, team corner. But that's right. I you know, that that. I'm a psycho with like little tidbits of knowledge. I remember like that. that name. That's cool. Yeah. Yes. So you make quick work of her and you kind of show everybody that there's levels in this game. And um, I don't think you were a bit concerned at all walking into that. Oh, dude, you have no idea what went down prior to that fight. Oh my God. But that was also, I think that was my first time in a cage. Really? Yeah. I remember swinging for an arm bar and I couldn't sit back because the cage was there. I was like, son of a bitch. So I had to like scooch like to the side or something and then sit back for it and took the arm. Okay. Well, what was, really was the problem like pre fight regards to that? Was it oh weight my or was it? God. Well, cheap ass Monty Cox. <laughs> who later on became my my manager for nine years but yeah, i think faster. it was probably the reason he brought you in to kind of see what you know <laughs> try to feel you out and, and get some face time with you yeah so uh i had to fly myself up there and at the time my coach was friends with some dude that had a private plane that was friends with the gym and so we we took this cessna this little tiny cessna from raleigh where were we? Fayetteville, some fucking Raleigh. So we're up here, so we're in Raleigh somewhere. And we took it from here. We're gonna fly up to Chicago. Well, we had to change. We had to change shit over. We had to stop somewhere. I don't know if it was like Cincinnati or wherever the hell it was, but 
we had flown over the Appalachian Mountains. And over the Appalachian Mountains, when you got shit that sticks up off the earth, it causes wind disturbances. And wind disturbances cause turbulence. And turbulence in small-ass planes like that make Tara barf and, and be ungodly sick. So this is the day of the fight, okay? I'm flying up there. I'm traveling on the day of the fight. Like, I didn't even get, like, weigh-ins or none of that shit. Like, so I'm flying. We got to Cincinnati, and we touched down. This thing had to refuel. I couldn't get back on the plane. I was so sick. So sick. Thank you, U.S. Airways. I own stock in U.S. Airways. They were amazing. They put me on emergency on a flight to Chicago from Cincinnati to get me there. And I was sick. Oh, so sick. My God. I thought I was going to fall out of the airport. They got me from the little airport to the big airport and then got me on the plane immediately. And then we went to uh, Chicago, got Chicago, and somebody was on their way. Like they were driving on their way with another fighter and they swung by the airport and scooped me up. That's bonkers. <laughs> And I got there. I got there. <laughs> they pushed my fight back twice. I got there and then I was in the cage 30 minutes after I walked into the <laughs> arena. I was still sick as shit. I didn't weigh in. Who, what was to weigh in? I threw everything up that I had possibly eaten for the past week and a half. Like, <laughs> I, I was dizzy. Because I was still, as the vertigo kind of shit, I was, God, she, dude, she grabbed a hold of me and started shaking me around. I thought I was going to barf. I was like, this has got to stop. We got to go to the ground. This is not okay. So <laughs> I just remember this. I didn't have a warm up. I didn't have shit. Like, I just, they, they pushed the fight back twice. So I was toward the end of the card and got in there. I was still sick. I couldn't, she couldn't even see her. Like, I couldn't focus on anything. She came across. She must have hit me. I woke me up. I was like, oh, well, there she is. Okay. So, I, I don't even know. I just know it was an arm bar. I don't know how we got to the ground. I don't know how long the fight was. Yeah, she was backing up real quick, and you, you, you pounced oh. on her. Yeah. I oh, was a judge at that event. Yeah. Good for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't remember. You mentioned a Monty Cox um, connection at this point. And, you know, shortly thereafter, your next fight's in Japan. Is that due to your relationship with Mani? Or was this no. something you had lined up already? No. Um, I, I, how the hell did that work? Um, it was with Shudo, you know, so you probably were still in the Shudo system. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If that was Shudo, then that was... Um, yeah, it was something called G Shudo with Megumi. Yeah, Megumi Yubashida. Yeah, I yeah, she's her. nine and four so at the cool. time. And, you know, the thing about Megumi is, I mean, you're, you're talking about yourself being a regional judo player. Uh, Megumi was on the Olympic ladder for judo. And she, yeah. won, like, she won the Smack Girl Open Weight Tournament as I well. I know. Which was I know a all very, which is a very was, prestigious. Yeah. She predates me. <clears throat> and in her she four losses, me. I mean, she, she ended with about a 500 record. You know, more or yeah. less. But at this yeah. point, her four last losses, all four were outside of her weight class. Yes. So uh -huh. 
trip to Japan. How do you get there? We're talking to this guy. He was a pathological liar or a compulsive liar or some kind of something. He used to run that KFC show out of Kentucky. Kentucky Fighting Challenge. Oh, my God. Tim Osborne. Oh, my God. He was not. That's a name. He was nuts. Compulsive liar. You, you, you Among other things. <laughs> You know what? I can't believe you just threw that name at me. Yes. Maybe I've been around. I know everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I have been I have been involved with everybody in the sport. Like how does Tim Osborne line this fight up? I don't know. I guess we had been like a lot we had a lot more guys. We're now in two thousand five, so we've we've had a lot more guys start to fight. And more shows are opening up, and Kentucky is within driving distance. So we had our guys fighting on his show in in Kentucky. Is Kentucky fighting all that bullshit? So, what were your dealings with Tim that gave you that impression of him? Um. Oh God, you know I used to have this all written down because it had gotten so extensive that I needed to keep records. Like, <laughs> was he trying to manage you? Yeah. 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 That was his like little that was his little hook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is all right. Oh wow. Man, I'm things are like things are clicking right now. I'm like right. two and two are becoming four. Man, we go we go deep on this show, Tara. Damn, like this is shit I haven't thought about in like fifteen Decades. years. <laughs> yeah. But, but wow. It this is important stuff. So I guess by then I'd been to a couple of his shows because my teammates had been fighting on him and everything. Of course, I'd, I'd be like, hey, what am I doing? I fight on your show too. You know, whatever. I'm always looking for fights. So he was kind of like managing me. He was shady kind of. But I never took it as shady. I took it as, oh, like he's like, maybe he's got like, he, you never know what's going on in somebody's personal life. Maybe he's got like issues and stuff. I don't know. He got ran out of the sport. Yes, he did. Thank God. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. So I guess <laughs> I I don't know. I guess he did no. I don't know if he set it up. I don't know how this fight got set up. I'm not sure. But I remember training for it and I remember watching a lot of video of Megumi and I remember how she had this this slick ass move that she would like it, uh, what the hell was it? It was like an arm bar or something. She did it to somebody. I don't want to say that girl's name because I can't stand her. Um, but we're gonna get and, there. So you, you I, I mean, it's you, well, wait, the names coming up. I got a list of names that for sure. Yeah. If I can't oh, make correct. you go off the rails, like in this portion of the interview, I got you at the end. So you can stand. Eventually, you're gonna get there anyway. So please, let's just move forward. <laughs> All right, so she would do this particular move, and nobody seemed to be able to handle it. So Spence, I I tore Knup, Spencer Knup, who was basically my main coach at Team Rock. We watched this shit, and we developed a counter to it. And I mean, I drilled this fucking counter like every damn day for like two weeks until I could do. It. I still do it. It's still a very very main like main part of what I do when I'm rolling or my game, everything I can. Uh, and so she, we got there and, Oh, that was some crazy shit too. 
because it snowed in Japan while I was there. And there was an earthquake on the same day. Wild. <laughs> yeah. The, the apocalypse, like totally. Um, so we got, we got there. Wait, wait, maybe this had something to do with Max. Max Masuzawa? You know him? I don't. Huh? I don't. All right. He, he was a friend of Spencer's, a Japan guy, been over in the U.S. for some. Maybe he was in school. I don't fucking know. He we he was there. Whatever it was, I don't know. But Megumi, I got that counter, and she did. She tried to throw whatever the hell that was on me, and I countered it. And she didn't get it. I remember I knocked her down. That's the first time I think I ever knocked some, well, other than Angela Wilson, but I think that's the first time I ever knocked somebody down, like with a punch. That was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go me. Um, but I thought that had to do with Tim, Tim Osborne. I'm not sure. Okay. But how was your experience in Japan? Amazing. It was awesome. It was really great. Yeah. That one, that one was really good. Um, they were everybody was super, super cool. Like there was, there was a fan that came up to me and he took a picture, took a picture with me, and then I went and fought again. My next fight was in Japan as well. That same fan came and found me at my hotel, and he had gotten the picture printed out and he had me sign it. Ah. That was like the coolest damn thing. I was like, wow, man, these people are hardcore. Dude, he's, he's Japanese. I'm, Amer I'm American. I'm so American. Who gives a shit about Americans? Like over there, you know, whatever. I just thought that that made a huge impression on me. I thought that was really cool. But yeah. dude, the food over there is outstanding. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was the first time. I, like their 7-Elevens, they have like really fresh food. <laughs> or AM, PM. AM, PM. They have AM, PMs over there. And so, so I you, ate at AM PM. <laughs> so you were five and one. She was nine and four. Um, mm. Decisive victory. You walk out of Japan in somebody else's hometown, and you walk out with with a victory. And it's an all female card, I might add. Mm -hmm. So I mean that that alone is pretty special. And to be included in something like that, kind of, yeah. um, you know, it, it should be something that um, I don't know. I, I think we look at it with reverence, you know, in in terms of a fan of female mixed martial arts. Yeah, you know, that was Kishino's first one, wasn't it? Pardon me? I think it was, was that? Oh, that was their second show? Yes, yes, it was. Cool. Now, um, let, let me see how, how good my chops are. Now, you said that Megumi got that move on somebody you didn't like. Would that person be Shannon? No. Not Shannon Hooper? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I never had a problem with Shannon Hooper. Okay, so then um, no. uh, Aaron Tuffhill. Uh, okay, well, well, that's what I. That's what. We'll, we'll save that for later. <laughs> I got Aaron Tuffhill written down right there. Okay, she's good. coming up. Right. I got you. I, I told you I was going to get to that. <laughs> well, I just want so, to guess because that Shannon Hooper is the same Shannon that caused the destruction of Matt Hume's gym, Mike. That's why I wanted to see if that was the one or if it was Aaron. So. So Are you I'm, trying I'm, to shoehorn that fact uh, in, into this interview, possibly? Just, just, just doing my homework. <laughs> so, so now, 
I, I was actually lucky enough. Miguel and I had started working together quite a bit at this point. Uh, 2006, March 4th, what I consider to be the first women's world title fight is a Euphoria uh, MFC6 against Roxanne Matafari. So at this time, you're seven and one. Roxanne we skipped is six the fight. Uh, there is, yes, your other Japan fight, which you touched. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of like get the highlights. Much. Yeah, it wasn't much of anything. So you fight Roxanne Matafari. And she beat Jennifer Howe two different times. Yeah. So it kind of was like, oh, my God, we got somebody like her only loss. You know, it's your fourth fight. You know, you're a much different person now than you were then. And you got the girl in front of you that just beat this person twice. And Miguel's got a title on it. And without a question of a doubt, in my opinion, it is absolutely the first recognized world title fight for women at 125 at this time. Roxanne Matafari, were you nervous walking into this battle? Whoa, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Did I screw up? Yeah. Go ahead. Let me have it. There was no title on that, and that was at 135. Uh, okay. Was that third? Okay. I'm looking at it as a one. Let me rephrase this. Yeah. I thought it was at 25. You guys rematched at 25 then. Uh-uh. You guys never, you guys fought at 30. Your last fight against her was at 30. Yeah. For sure. You fought three times. Yeah. On one of the databases, your second fight's at 125. Is this at 35 uh, or 25 or 30? Uh, the first one, the one in Atlantic City was 35. The second one was a catch weight at 30. And then the last one, the disaster. The last one's definitely at 30. The last one was, the third one was 25? Maybe at 25. Okay. So 25. in my opinion, yeah. let, let, me, yeah. let me rephrase this now. Just so okay. we're all on, we frame this yeah, properly. So 135 is still the place to be at this point. And, and I get that. Yeah. In my opinion, this is for the world title which was not supplied at that event. I'm just talking about in terms of... Oh, 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 okay, I know. You got to rank people. This is it. Like, this is number yeah, one yeah. and two, possibly yeah. in the world at this point. Can oh. we agree on that? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, you're hesitant well, she, on that. She beat, where where yeah, does your she hesitation Jen. come from? Jen was fucking number one. Jen she lost twice her. to Roxanne. Yeah, I know, but before that, she beat me. She beat Buckner. I think she beat Angela Reestad. I think they fought at some point. And then Roxanne beat her twice. So Roxanne took that over. And then I beat Roxanne. And that made me me. You know, and that's, I, you know, that's yeah. the way I'm looking at that. Yeah. Like you've got international I don't know experience. I would have been at that point. I don't know if I was two or three or eight or what. I don't know. You just came well, back from... You were seven and one at that point. Well, eight and one, including the fight that's not listed, that may have been an amateur fight. It was an amateur. But you, you, you were just in Tokyo twice against mm -hmm. stiff competition with Megumi, who is an absolute savage. You know, you handle yeah. your business, you come back, and now you're fighting a girl that just beat the only blemish on your record is beat her twice. Yeah, and finished mm -hmm. her once in those two outings, I might add. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, What's your mindset walking into this bout? Massive respect. Did you feel it that you weren't getting it at the time?
I, I remember talking to you prior to this event. I'm all, I always have that. Like, I was born with that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I got to think where the fuck, where was I? Well, here, I'll, I'll help you. you. You started becoming more accepting of who you were at the time in regards to, like, as a fighter. You know, you got the white cowboy hat on. You know, you've got, like, the, the ring entrance, a little bit of a ring entrance. Like it's that was like for Akano. That was the fight after Roxanne. At Roxanne, you had a white cowboy hat. I, I watched it. I did? Yes. I remember those days. Yeah, no, that was the, that wasn't for Roxanne. So in regards to like Roxanne, did you feel that the I, I guess the level that I'm speaking of this fight at the time, did it register you that this is absolutely for a lot of people who are into at WMMA at this time was probably for the number one spot. No. Also, really? paid for that. Nope. It never occurred to me until right now when you said it like that never even registered. Really? Because prior to and that event, and prior to this event I couldn't I, step out of it then and see it. I didn't uh, see that. Okay, before this huh. event, I, I, I ran into you, and I even said it. I go, man, this is the number one spot. You're like, oh, yeah, I think you were kind of maybe blowing me off a little bit, not, not really registering it, but without a question. Oh, dude, I'm out to lunch. I have no idea. <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> I'm out to lunch. I never have any idea what the fuck's going yeah, so on. Yeah, like. so <laughs> in my opinion, this was absolutely at that time the number one, the number one spot. So Miguel asked a question. What was your pay for this bout? I don't know. What did I get, a grand? I got a thousand? I don't know. I, I, I don't remember either, actually. But she's about to go on a run here where, you know, she might have been making oh, yeah. 1500 more to win or something like that as well. Yeah, um, I don't remember. Eventually, don't remember. the payday's got better. Yeah, like this was, oh, you know, and yeah. this is, you know, a trilogy type situation where, like, um, yeah, you guys would meet multiple times, you know, in the future. And mm -hmm. Roxanne... She's so unassuming when you look at her. I know. I love her. She's like my sister. She's like a little yeah. sister. <laughs> I yeah, love Roxanne. Now see, now, see, I love, I absolutely loved Roxanne. And I knew Roxanne from Naga. We come up in Naga together before I even started fighting. I knew who she was because we used to run shit. Like she would do one of the heavier weights because she never cut. And I would cut and I would do lightweights and we ran Naga. We would just, we'd obliterate tournaments. We always won. We'd show up, do our shit, win, go home. Yeah, that's just how it was. Um, and so I actually, I, I vouched for her to Jeff when he was looking for somebody for Jen Howe. I said, Roxanne's your chick. She's going to take her out. I promise you that. You watch. Sign her. Fucking make that fight. She's going to take her out. If anybody can do it, it'll be rocks. And he did. He'll tell you that. He'll even tell you. Wow. that. Yeah. Um, I knew, I mean, I knew where she came from. She trained with Kirk Jenis. I know who the fuck Kirk is. I know that gym. And Kirk, I mean, was the owner of uh, the underground MMA.TV and shit. Yeah, like I knew is. all about Kirk. Still is. Yep. Well, I think the I UFC just, like, owns it. Actually, the UFC owns it right now. And Kirk, I believe, works for them. Runs. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I get that information <laughs> from, I listened to when he was on Joe Rogan. And at some point, uh, either him or the person he was with mentioned, oh, we got to talk to the boss. And he was 
kind of insinuating that. I mean, there was always a rumor that the UFC owned it and kind of confirmed it. On that, Interesting. On that, That's that cool. I didn't know that. So <laughs> one of the people, one of the interesting things is at this time, you decided to start kind of moving around. And you moved to Washington shortly after this. Yeah. So may I ask, did you just need a change of scenery or was it some personal stuff? There was, there was, there was a bunch of shit that was happening. So I, I was starting to kind of outgrow Team Rock. Um, did it happen? I don't want to say outgrow it. I was doing a lot of teaching. Like I was, I was basically running the gym. I was teaching modern army combatives. I was subcontracting under Greg Thompson, who owns Team Rock. And I was teaching modern army combatives. And I was teaching classes at the gym. I wasn't training a lot. And when I was training, I wasn't really get, I wasn't learning like new shit. Like I wasn't getting like the level that I thought that I needed to advance. And I had the hard ass shit coming up like Roxanne, like fuck. So you fight Julie Kedzie in Ultimate Cage Wars for a title. And Julie Kedzie at this point, I think she was managed by Chad Wagner, one of Miguel's old buddies. Yes. You know, I just yeah. talked to him a couple months ago. Well, that's, I mean, the, Hamlet is how I got out to Washington. He put me on some show. He couldn't match me up. He couldn't find a fight for me. So I had a grappling match against this dude from Yakima, Kyle, who turned out to be one of my best friends. And that's how I got in with Yakima MMA because I went out there and I did this grappling match on this show and um just fell in with that team and that's how i went to that's how i came to yakima mma and adrian was like two hours over the mountains and we used to see each other and shit and whatever so yeah that's how i got out there and then when i was out now, rich garen is the head coach of yakima am i correct was yeah was okay he died he just died a year ago okay i actually was not aware of that that's a lot, a lot of emotion up there. Huh? It's crazy. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like the, the lives that intersect with you just through the sport of mixed martial arts, the countries you've been to, the relationships that you establish. Yeah, um, you know. You know, I mean, you're on a private, I mean, you just earlier, you're on a private airplane coming from North Carolina <laughs> to Chicago, driving over, you know, the mountains, getting sick. Like if in eighth grade we had talked to you and we said, hey, this is going to be the situation just so you can step into a cage to fight another woman. You would have just like, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 incredible the types of life experiences that mixed martial arts, you know, gives people. And um, would, would you mind telling us like your preparation for Julie Kedzie? Because Julie Kedzie, she didn't have a really good record at this time, but it was the first time she started kind of really preparing herself for fights before I think she was taking fights where she really wasn't prepared and got a beat up record because of that. Well, Miguel kind of match made this because the show up in, it was in Lake Chelan, Washington. I guess they asked him if I could fight her because we were both kind of with like MFC and whatever the fuck that shit was called or Bodog, whatever the hell. So I guess they okayed it with you. I think mm -hmm. that's that's the story that I got and it was all good. Um, and so that's they went with that fight and everything. Um, 
Yep. Prior to that, prior to that fight, uh, I mean, I started training at Yakima MMA, which I loved. It was really great. They were a bunch of grinders. They were a bunch of college wrestlers that just didn't know how to go easy. And that was my kind of shit. Like, I, I love the grind. I love to be in there for two and a half hours a night and just go, go, go as hard as you freaking can. And that that's my deal. So I did well there. Uh, I had the lowest body fat percentage of my entire life when I lived there. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> the training was, I mean, while I may not have been, I was still riding on the knowledge from Team Rock. I wasn't learning anything really, really new. I was doing a lot more wrestling, which was cool. Um, so I was developing that. But uh, like submissions or, or stand-up, I wasn't really ad advancing that much for, for this particular fight anyway. But um, there's, there's a little bit, there's some, there's some bullshit prior to the Kedzie fight. Um, I think it was prior to the Kedzie fight. What was the, do you remember, do you know, what's the date on the Kedzie fight? It was July 8th, 2006. Yep. Yeah, three weeks prior to that, Anthony Hamlet beat the shit out of me. Oh, shit. Yeah, you fucking ass, you wanted to know. I told you, I fucking say that name, there's going to be some shit coming out with it. Okay. There you go. Did things yeah. get resolved afterward, or no. was it just... No. Okay. There's nothing resolved. Yeah, no, I never will be. I, I know it got... It got strange. That's actually a detail that, that I, I hadn't even gotten that far to know, but I knew it was going to be emotional now. Um, let, let's take it away from that because you, when you were at Team Rock, you said you kind of started out growing there. Now you're out there, you know, and now you're running into people like Dennis Hallman, you know, perhaps um, – Jeff Monson, Josh Barnett. If you get into that area where, like, Oregon is there, maybe Chael Sonnen, Robert Follis. I mean, up there is like so many real people too. Talk about that experience and drinking that up. Oh my god! I mean, I loved my time up there. It was great. Like, I all these people that I like seen on the internet, or I I heard about, or read about, or you know, seen on UFC or whatever. I got to meet them all. It was so cool. Um, so like with with Yakima MMA, everybody fought. Like, it was a that was a fight gym. And so people were fighting down in like Bend, Oregon. They're fighting in Tacoma. They're fighting in Portland, fighting over in Seattle. They had a so really cool fighting. scene. They had a really huh? cool scene up there. Yeah, there's a. Oh, it was cool. Yeah. It is. It really was. And let me tell you what, like they had the most extensive amateur div division, extensive amateurs in any part of the, you know, I'd venture to say world at that time because there was guys that had like, like 20 amateur fights before they went pro. I mean, there were people that had been like, they were fighting every week, every weekend or whatever. Like these people had crazy ass records, amateur. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Hallman, look at his record. That's nuts. Yeah. Now, did yeah, you live up there with Aaron? Was Aaron Riley up there when you were up there? No, maybe I was over in Yakima. And if he was anywhere, he was over in, he would have been in Kirkland at, at Hume's place, right? Yeah. Did you ever yeah, get I over to Hume's place? Not until later, not until 2012. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Okay. The only time I really knew Hume was I ran into him at a couple of shows. I actually 
actually coached against him. I cornered against him, and my guy won. <laughs> yeah, Hume is. Uh, that was he's awkward. Of, he's he's one of those legendary trainers, man. He really is. Oh, hundred percent. Oh my god, for sure. If you're old school and you don't know who Hume is, then you're a joke. Yeah, I don't <laughs> got time for you. Yeah, I don't have time for you. No, Eric Paulson as well. I'm a huge fan Absolutely. of both of those guys. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, American yeah. Catch Wrestling. I mean, come yep. on. Well, yeah. you you talked about you talked a little bit about like you you were a fan of pro wrestling. It was up there that you probably met Josh, and you still and I think you're probably still friends with Josh. Talk about yeah. meeting him and his influences. Um. I don't honestly, I don't remember the first time I ever really met Josh. Like I met, I think I met Josh through Shana because her and Josh were real good friends and she used to go out and train with him. And then he would come and corner her at fights. And I was like, Shana, after me and Shana fought, she was like my bestie. Like we were fucking tight. We were really good friends. Um, so I think I met him at a show. I mean, we both knew each other. We both knew of each other. And well, you guys were doing like the Abu Dhabi thing as well. I mean, you guys were running yeah. into each other a lot. Well, he gave me, he, I think one of the first times we ever met, he lectured me about K Fob, K Fabe, K Fob. The pro wrestling. Yeah, he lectured me yeah. about this because of my my hatred of Aaron Tohill, <laughs> <laughs> which we haven't even gotten to yet. Yeah. yeah. So, you guys have kind of like a love-hate relationship because I remember you, it, it, I think it was, I want to say it was Trenton, or you guys were arguing like good friends. Like, you know, like how good friends would argue you and Josh at that time were. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But, yeah. he, he There's like arguing out of spite and there's arguing just, be, you know, because yeah. we're friends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, I, I like Josh. Josh is awesome. Josh. Is so, totally were you surprised cool. <laughs> that later on in uh, you know in her career, Julie Kedzie becomes the matchmaker for Invicta? <laughs> yeah. I I think I think Shannon had kind of felt me out for that role as well and i guess she just she went with kedzie instead because i remember us having some conversations and spending a lot of time on the phone and talking and stuff and i knew shannon from when she helped me out she was helping me out when she she was with like elite xc or ifl or some shit shannon Knapp was with the ufc as well oh was she yes yes she was okay Right on. You know, but, but she was doing the circuit. You know, once you get yeah. into those administrative spots, um, generally, you know, if you're really into the sport, you kind of float. You know, you kind of yeah. float and you know, yeah. until, you, until, you, until you land somewhere. Yeah. You know, so I Shannon think like, sort of that category. I look back on that and I think to myself, I'm like, huh, she was feeling me out to see how I would be as whatever, whatever the hell Kedzie was doing. Whether she was matchmaker. She was a matchmaker. Yeah, that. Were, and you were probably responding to her as a fighter. Yes, I was. Okay. <laughs> Which sucks because I'm actually, when it comes to professionalism and doing a job such as that, I'm completely unbiased. But as a fighter, man, I hate that person. That person sucks. This person can kiss my ass. No, 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 But then when you have a professional job to do, like, in, in some capacity, just shut that shit off and do your job. 
So right. No, that's, that's it. That's it. No, no. That's, but it's, it's all about true. how you represent yourself. So <laughs> I no, guess I represent true. myself. So you mentioned Shayna. We're talking about Shayna ba- uh, Baszler. Um, yeah. <laughs> you fight her in Bodoc at this yeah. point. So it's, it's actually, I think it's Bodoc. It's Bodoc's first fight, first event. No, we, we missed a few. We missed. Uh, did you miss a few? Okay. Yeah. We did Kedzie. Uh, and then after Kedzie, there was, uh, oh, the Buckner fight. That's the Buckner. Fight. Yes. That's the best fight of my entire career. It, it, yeah, in it, my it, opinion, that, that was the one where we actually gave the belt away, right? So, no, no, no. I got Amanda Buckner Not August twenty-second, two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. So, but I got Shannon Baszler February eighteenth, two thousand seven. No, Buckner was two thousand six. Was it two thousand six? Okay. Buckner so was what? August twenty-second, two thousand six. Okay, so you guys had heavy stand-up exchanges. You're yeah. still training at Yakima. Mm-hmm. And, and you fight a Magna Buckner where you win with a third-round rear naked choke. Yeah, I never saw that coming. That was a hard fight. No shit. Dude, she, she teeped me. She, like, front-kicked me so deep. I swear to God, her foot touched my spine. There's mm-hmm. a picture of it. I just remember, like, I had to, you got to play it off. You can't show. I, that's one of the first times I ever felt something in a fight. Like, I mean, other than fucking um, <laughs> Jen beating the shit out of me. Um, but, like, I just remember, like, like this happened. And I just, not froze, but I couldn't move. Like, I just couldn't move. And so I had to like gradually like start either bouncing or moving or doing something because it stopped me. I was like, "Ugh, that sucked. We don't want to do that again." <laughs> you know, we um we had the <laughs> fortunate um we had the I mean I, I hate to say it, I'm gonna say it's fortunate, but it, we we had an opportunity to interview Paul Varlins, and it turned out to be his last interview that he ever gave. And you know, we kind of did like the whole thing through his career. And during the interview, he said something that's very reminiscent. Like when he said this, your fight with Amanda Buckner is what came to mind. He said, you know, MMA in general is kind of boring, but I'll tell you what, I was wrong. And I admit it. And in the interview, he said, the women go in there to actually fight where the men go in there and they treat it like a sport. And he goes, the women throw down. It's the most energy. He's like, I never thought I would say this. He was a huge fan of women's MMA. And this Amanda Buckner fight, you had all of this prestige coming into this. You were, you may not recognize because you are we you. Were, we were there right there for one and two. We were, but I'll we tell were you this right, right now. That fight going into this, you're walking in there a decorated veteran. That's, yeah. you know, that, that's just top of the world. And Amanda Buckner came to take your head off. She was not afraid of you. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, she you... thought I was like some country club chick. I remember, like, I used to wear these... <laughs> I used to wear collared shirts, because that was just, like, what I did. I think I had, like, this this your light blue or teal-colored collared shirt on. We were in Costa Rica. You know, it was like an islandy. I had, like, this collared shirt. It was whatever. And white shorts, I think. And she, like... Either her or Jay, one of them, like, sort of 
they took a jab at me, said something about I should be on a country club playing golf or some shit like that. I, was like, I thought it was kind of funny. I absolutely love them. I mean, I have absolutely nothing but respect. She's one of my favorite people in the sport. She's one. She's somebody I looked up to. Buckner, I've always looked up to her. Always have. Yeah. No, she, how, you know, sometimes she, like you talk fight, to people. Act. One more time. I apologize. I looked up to her in a way, like how to train, how to fight, how to act. Okay. So like, like yeah, she was legit. When, I have all the respect for her. Like when Always John have. Jones was on his crazy run, <laughs> the reality of the situation is, and I'm not talking from the police. I'm talking about like runs and fights. And yes. when you look at the totality of the situation of his opponents, a lot of them lost that fight before they stepped through that cage. Like they were so intimidated and you had a degree of just respect, at least in my eyes, where that John Jones type effect, you would think come into play at this point in your career and you run into Amanda Buckner. And then after Amanda Buckner, you run into Shayna Baszler. Both of those two went in there with like a level of confidence that shocked me. And you got to see your grit. Like, you got your hands dirty. You got, you know, a little grit underneath your, your, your fingernails. Um, you you kind of got to see what you were made of. And those two names that I just mentioned, without a question or not, walked out of there saying, I gave it my all. I had an on-night, and I lost on an on-night. And that's something different where, man, I had an off-night. Things didn't work out. I screwed up. Let me get back in there again. They walked out of there saying, no, no, that was my best. And it just wasn't enough. Hmm. Does it, does it mean anything to you? Yeah, that's, that's, I want, I, I gotta hear that from them. That's, I don't know. That's, I don't know. Me and Shana would always joke around all the time about that. I poked her in the eye and, and then I just, I rushed her and punches and ground and shit. We, we joke around back and forth about that, but. Um, Buckner, she's, I guess still can't, I still can't believe I won that fight. I never thought I'd win that. I, I always thought that she was just more dynamic than me. I thought that she was more innovative with, uh, submissions. Yeah. I, with a fucking rear naked choke, never saw that coming. That's no. common. That's common. Like <laughs> I didn't, I never thought that would be. Uh, did you uh no. did had Shayna already beaten Roxanne by then? Like when you got her? Because you want to talk about that one impressive move. Shana, the swing, the Shayna wing. Yeah, ah. Shayna uh got her in Japan, and we went to Japan for that fight, and she got her in about a minute and a half and put her away. And uh I remember, and then we ate raw horse after that, so. God damn it! Why didn't I get to do that? that. So after after Shayna Baszler, um, July seventeenth, two thousand seven, the Bodog title fight. Yeah, Miss Kelly Cobalt, who's seventeen zero and one. I think um, the pre-fight trash talk had kind of come into play at this point. I don't Um, think there was because she took it on like ten days' notice because. Laura D. August fucking pulled out with the, oh, I hurt my ankle. Bullshit. She I think you were saying shit. that she had a padded record. Laura D. August? No. Kelly Cobalt. Oh. Uh, 
Kind of is. Yeah, I think some of her stuff. She had she had some fluffy fights. Yeah, but but at that point, can you blame with someone? With that many you're fights, to... you're still legit. Like with that many fights, it doesn't. I mean, that's that's legit. Like, yeah. Well, she also just beat Adrian Jenkins too. Mm. <laughs> oh, you say, hmm, Adrian Jenkins is ten and one at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Unimpressed. I get it. She was. Uh, she was. She was all right. She was. She was good. I mean, she so probably called it. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people. She was had big. A lot of faith in Kelly based on her size. Yes. Yeah, me too. I don't fucking know. I, she was I, huge. She bounced me all over that damn fucking ring for four and a half rounds. Trust me, I was there. I know. <laughs> I remember. It kind of sucked. I know. <laughs> I remember thinking she did something. I forget what the hell it was. She, uh, either she need me in the face while I was on the ground, or something happened, and like the ref gave me some time to recover, whoever it was. I just remember that somebody let my sister down by the cage or the ring, and she was screaming at me, and <laughs> I like I couldn't get myself together. I couldn't focus and get myself together and shake out what the hell was wrong with me because this bitch is going crazy in the background. That's why I don't let my family come down near the cage anymore. The ring. They can't be in the back. No, no, we're, we're good. There's a picture of my sister like ah, like yelling. Like <laughs> I have a picture of it. It's insane. But no, Kelly was enormous. I don't know how the hell she even made 135. Like She was yeah. huge. Way stronger than me. She was definitely stronger than me. She was dirty too. Just put her chin in my eye and stuff like that. I even told Dan Mergliata about that. Like, her chin is in my eye. And he's like, huh? I'm like, dude, just put her chin in my eye. Like, just eye gouging. Him. Yeah. Like, uh, it's legal. Yeah, I knew there was I, I knew there was a conversation between you and Dan. I wasn't sure. I couldn't pick it up. Oh, I know Dan. I love Dan. Dan's fucking, that's my homie. I love Dan. Well, you're looking at you know, two people with 30 combined <laughs> fights, over 30 combined fights between them with only two losses. And on paper, this is a huge fight. Now, whether she took it last minute or not, you know, it was absolutely, you know, title fight worthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, she was definitely a worthy opponent for the title, for sure. It's too bad that she hadn't done more in Bodog or MFC or whatever to for a lead up to it. You know, that would have been cool if she had had like some more exposure in that uh, promotion to, to build that up. But then yeah. again, Laura August didn't either. She was complete bullshit. That, she was just bullshit. Nobody should ever mention her anywhere ever. So <laughs> in, in, in essence, right around this time, Bodog is a giant ship that's got some holes in it and it's starting to sink. Were you aware at this time that Bodog was in trouble? No. At what point did you know? Because Bodog treated you well. Like they, did. they, they oh did. my god, Bodog treated me like like that's the, honestly is the greatest fight years of my life. Those were my years. Those were the, that, that that was that's the time that I, I look back to and I refer to as the greatest years of my life, like the Bodog time. I mean. I got the 
best matchups. I got the best chicks in the world. Miguel put me against every best chick there was. Every chick that rose up that could have been a number one contender, he put me against them. You know, and then not only that, but I got put up in these great hotels. I got flown all over the world. I got to eat really great food. And everybody was way super nice, even when I would miss my plane. Well, <laughs> you know, the thing is, sometimes in promotions, like let's look at like Tito Ortiz, UFC 205-pound champion. Anybody that really could have given him issues during his title run, they had fight Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell beat them, and then they throw Tito, somebody that really didn't make sense. So it was almost like they used Chuck as like the barrier for people that were super tough that Tito might not be able to beat. You didn't have that luxury. They no. put you in there with yeah. the best in the world. That's why I joke around all the time. Well, I'm not really joking when I say it, but Miguel like has a fetish for watching me get my ass beat. Like he loves it. Like he really likes watching me get beat up. And then somehow I pull out the win. Like I rise to the occasion. I pull out the win. Like the hero at the end of the movie that's just about to get killed off and somehow pulls out the win and saves the day. Like, I don't know what the hell. That's why Miguel's like greatest matchmaker on earth ever. Like I'm serious. He, he definitely like, was good. Very talented guy. Oh Absolutely. No, Absolutely. Like, it wasn't really me. It was like, look, you know, I got this fight. And Tara's like, okay. It's like, all right, you know, job done. Thank you very much, you know. Yeah, Miguel used to say, behind your back, very low maintenance. She's like, yeah, she's like, she'll fight anybody. That's what he said, behind your back. Without, with, I mean, it's, he absolutely said that to me back in the day. I'm sorry, I had a step off camera there, but you were talking about the Bulldogs of Around here had to be some of your bigger paydays. What, what were you getting paid around this time? Uh, okay, so for, for Buckner, I think I got I think I got three and one. I think for Julia Barzakova, I think I got hold on. Um I think I got same, I think I got three and one. Okay, so uh, Shane, my first, I I had three big to me big money fights with with Bodog. Uh, with Baszler, I think it was. I ended up with for Cody Welchlin, it was like fifteen thousand to show, like three thousand win. And the, uh, that was the thing about Miguel. Like it, it kind of told like you, that, but he taught me a lot about about management and about how whether you you knew that they valued you or what you were worth. And when they offered me something like that, it was like a fifteen thousand guarantee to show. So they want you, they value you, they 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 want you around, and then oh, they'll give you a little something extra if you win. Cool, but. When you're doing something like oh, like one and one or whatever, they don't give a shit about you. They really, they, they, you're easy come, easy go. Whatever, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Or, or you're building. You know, you don't. You're not established. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, so, we we've been having a good conversation. I don't want to toot my own horn, but we had a pretty decent little division to go with. Hell yeah, dude! That was I, a great for sure. 
You built the greatest women's division on earth. Well, you know, thank you, but Jeff, Jeff's out there. <laughs> Jeff had something to do with it, but uh, well, yeah, but, I know. But I'm not worried about. Yeah, we can't. At least he didn't make me dress up like little Bo Peep, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, your next <laughs> fight—we we brought her name up. You know, it's kind of like a surprising fight because you got such a big record. You know, at this time, you're 14 and one. And they feed you on Bodog hook and shoot, kind of a, a mix. At this point, I think Miguel is out of the picture from Bodog, yeah. and it's uh, Cody Welchin, and she's two and one, but she's fighting out of uh, Greg Nelson's gym, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, where were you training at? What's the date of that fight? It is November twenty fourth, two thousand seven. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I just changed gyms. Um, Adrian was killed August twenty third, two thousand seven, and I had been training down in Florida at American Top Team because some shit went down in Washington, and Adrian and I, and I decided that it wasn't safe for me to stay up there. And my family had a condo down there near very like 10 miles away from ATT. So we decided that until he got back from Iraq, uh, I'd go, I'd go stay in the condo. I'd train ATT. It'd be great. You know, fucking ATT. Hell, hell yeah. Why not? Can't pass on that Um, for sure. Yeah. So then he was killed and um, I lost it like just lost it uh i I couldn't i went back to florida for like two days it was not working out so i went home and hung out with my folks and i had fought on a few shows with eddie so i knew philadelphia fight factory i knew some of the guys up there and i contacted them and said hey uh i'm i'm back in the area i'm living with my folks Eddie, 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 Eddie was, Eddie was one of the f- first people that talked to me after I found out. He was one of the first people that got to me. He, I, I was, I was at one of the shows. I was at the show. We, I was doing commentary for Bodog in Vancouver, and I found out right before the show, and and him and Chael, Eddie took me out of there and took me out back behind the building and talked to me and it was super super fucking cool and chael chael was fucking awesome too um and so that's how i i kind of like I, I knew them from fighting on from bodog and down in costa rica and shit like that and whatever so i called up uh i guess i, I either got in touch with eddie or steve Hag or whoever and i was like yo i'm living down in south jersey i'm 45 minutes from philly any place to train. They're all about it. So come on in. And um, I remember my first Saturday coming in there with the guys. I think I was there like two days. And then the first Saturday was sparring. So I came in there <laughs> and they jumped me into Philly. <laughs> That's good. That's how it's supposed to be. I mean, dirty. I Philly's dirty. Christ, they fucking jumped me in. Like, <laughs> oh, that's an initiation. Absolutely. That means awesome. they care. That means they care awesome. about you. Yeah. Hell it means yeah. they care about you. Like, yeah. 
I was like, this is the place for me. I like this gym. And I did. I really did. I think I was there for shit. How long was I there for? Five years? I don't remember. Yeah. You know, the, but, th- the thing about Eddie Alvarez is he's got this incredible ability, and I, I wish I had it, where the minute you meet him, you perceive him as a friend. And you you just like, wow, yeah. this yeah. is a guy that's a friend. He's a good dude. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and it's like, it's not like it's phony. It's not, it's an act. He's legitimately a decent human being. I've only met the guy twice and both times I was incredibly impressed with him. Yeah, he's very cool. I um, remember he, he came up to me after, you know, obviously he won and, you know, he's in victory mode and everybody's there and he comes up and he goes, Man, I'm I'm really sorry you had to throw my dad out of the audience. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he was always a real person. How do you get on her radar? Is it because at this time you're at the top? Is this her, is, is this her trying to is is this her trying to chase a fight with you? Is that her her way of doing no, it? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. No, I know what it was. It was in response to me saying that people that had to uh, use their looks and their sexuality uh, were lacking talent. I think that was her response to that. That's what that was. Because I've always had that stance. I've always said that. Since Shelby, that's where I developed it. That's where I got it. I had nothing to do with fucking Gina. I didn't care. Yeah, she was hot. She had great tits. Cool. Whatever. But, like... Shelby was the epitome of using her sexuality and her looks to fucking get somewhere. And she didn't have the talent to back it up. That's where I got that from. And I still, to this day, say it. There's chicks. There's fucking chicks in the UFC. Well, maybe not as much now, but when no, they first. No, got the- no, they're there now. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they're there now. Yes. Yes. If, if I may, if I may make a recommendation to anybody that's in the women's mixed martial arts is obviously, you know, all of us here are listen to Dominic Cruz do play by play during like a Jessica I fight. It is. It is. It, it's it's brutal. It's like you'll say, well, you know, she's about to get caught in this move. Uh, she's going the wrong way. Apparently, she has no idea what this move is and hasn't seen it before. You know, it, it's he is so friggin' catty, so catty towards the women in WMMA. Turn up the volume when Dominic he, Cruz is announcing. It's he fantastic. He like me. I've met him one time, one time only, and he was like, I did not exist. We are in the same fucking room. We were waiting for somebody down in, it was in um, Alliance? What the hell's the name of that gym down Yeah, there? Alliance. Eric Del Fiero. Uh, it's his gym. I think Eric Del Fiero runs it. Yes. This was in 2007. I was down there. I was waiting for the, the, the dude. I think it was the dude that was my new manager, Jeff Clark. He, he had just become my manager. I was waiting for him or something. And Dominic was in there too. And like, that dude, he wouldn't acknowledge me in time of day. Nothing. I'm, I'm just I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, whatever. Nothing. Cold. Stone cold. Um, so, but- Bodog is over at this point. When did you know Bodog was sinking? Bodog saved me. MMA saved me. After Adrian died, I, I went back home. I, I was 
I was not doing well, especially at night. I was very depressed or upset. Um, I was going to marry this guy. I was going to spend the rest of my life with this guy. We're going to have kids and all that shit and everything. And everything's going to be happily ever after. He was my world. I mean, we trained together. He pushed me. He taught me. He's a very, very high-level wrestler. I learned a lot from him. And he was really somebody that I looked up to. I mean, just just in life, like how to act. Like, there's there's a lot. There's, there's a lot. Uh, it's another chapter, several chapters in the book, I'm sure. But... After he died, they put me on Lorzapam, Lorazapam. Oh, wow. This is all right. Yeah, they put me on that. I was not doing, I'm telling you, dude, I wasn't doing good at all. Um, And I was driving to him from Philly. 45 minutes each way. And so I get off the mats and it was dark. Cause it was, this is like September now it's starting to get dark earlier. And, uh, I was just not, my brain was spinning. Shit was not good. So I would take this as soon as I got off the mats, cause it take about 40, 45 minutes for it to actually hit me. So I'd take my pill, drive home. And after a little bit, I would take two of them. Oh. And so one night we were standing there and I'd been you know, just getting into the gym, starting to get to know people. And we, we were standing there, we're sitting there bullshitting after, after training. Now I already taken my, my two pills because normally I just jet. And we're just standing, we're sitting bullshit and talking, whatever. So it took a minute. And uh, I get driving home. And uh, I don't know what happened. I guess I must have, I, I either blacked out or fell asleep or whatever the fuck happened. But I, I uh, came back, the car jerked, and there was one of them white medium things, you know, them big blocks they have that the partition shit off. It was coming right at me, although it wasn't moving. I was. And so I jerked the wheel and I ended up out in the median. This shit, where was this? It was either, it was like I-95 or, or 295. I can't remember where the fuck it was. But I missed that big giant concrete embutment thing, and I ended up down in between the bridges in the grass in the median. Uh, almost died. That was that was pretty serious. It was pretty intense. That's when wow. shit. That was the height of it. And um, so I got. Guess I, I don't know. I don't even remember how that ended up. I don't know, but the next day, O Dog called. And it was go time again. Uh, fight for me. And it's Cody Welchman. O Dog saved me. Wow. Wow. That's the last time I took those them pills again. That's that let me tell you what, detoxing off that shit the next fucking week was miserable. I was the most miserable fucking week. I swear to God. That was it though. Like I know I was taking like two of them and stuff, and maybe I, I don't know if I I don't know what the, but um next day I stopped taking them, started training. Bodog called Eric. Eric Nickel called me, said, Hey, you're on. And I was like Let's do it. 
Not, Eric not Nickel was an interesting study. Like <laughs> he came over from time. like the, the other side of Bodog. You know, like he was part, either part of their music or their gambling side. What, what, he, he was definitely not an MMA guy. And then he winds up in a spot in, the, in a community where it's real easy to be exposed and just based on, well, who's that guy? Oh, that's Tito Ortiz. Who's that? You know, like little basic little <laughs> things like that give you away. And the community is so fickle that even if you become an expert within the next six, seven, eight months, they will never let you forget that. And Nickel uh, was that guy. Nice uh, guy. I, I enjoyed him. working with him. Yeah, but he was great. He was great to me. But, but he's not an MMA guy. No, we agree on but that? he was a really nice dude. Nope, that, nobody but, from Bodog was an MMA guy. None Miguel of them was. Well, Miguel and Jeff, duh. So they're, they're, they came in from fucking hook and shoot. Do you think and Paul Lazarus was everything. an MMA guy? Well, here's the, the different. Yeah. Well, hold was up. Paul around? I don't even remember Paul being around. I don't accept Paul as an MMA guy. So there we go. Okay. Okay. Oh, I said it. Isn't he a pro wrestling? He's, he's pro an 0-3 guy that used to make the other commentators call him champ. And he would give like his stories <laughs> about like in the depths of, of fighting uh, back from like who knows? I, I can't uh, even listen to it. Back in Nam. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't Paul, even Paul put me, he has me in his in, in one of his books. I'm in volume two of um when we were bouncers. As I bet bounced like my whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter. <laughs> Listen, talented guy, not an MMA fighter. It was funny. You know, you asked about like when Bodog died. This fight, and I'm glad, you know, that it helped you in in your life and stuff like that. But, you know, after going to Russia and Costa Rica and here and there, now we are back in Evansville for a Bodog show. I I knew something was up. (laughs) I knew something was up. I knew that. Well, you had so uh, many fights that you 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 may have been like one of the people that actually got through your contract, and then you know you're really free and there's no one there. There were some people probably who didn't get through their contract, and you you kind of get left with like here. So what's I tell going you that on? Top three fighters know. in terms of appearances for Bodog: Eddie Alvarez, Nick Thompson, Terry Larosa. Yeah, here's your top three. We, we had the belts. We had the belts. Yeah. There's only three belts. Yeah, Trevor would be up there. That you know, he Frangley was, would be Trevor Frangley and yeah. Chael, Chael Sonnen, and and, yeah, Sonnen. and, and Masvidal. No? Masvidal had a bunch of fights, but he wasn't. He didn't do Terra La Rosa numbers. He wasn't. No, he wasn't there yet. He was still a kid. You go yep. on to fight a woman who's six and one at the time, and she's the first Canadian to fight in the UFC. And it's on Extreme Challenge in January of 2009. Alexis Davis. Oh, yeah. I looked for this fight and I could not find it. And I've got Fight online. Pass. It's online. No, it's not on Fight Pass. It's online. It's on, it's on YouTube. Wait, it's on a, where I just watched it the other day. I did research on you about 10 days ago and I couldn't find it. I know where it's at. It's on where? that stupid. It, uh, there's a Tara LaRosa fan page on Facebook and it's buried on that. I go got fight live. Yeah. GFL, go fight live. They taped it. Okay. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it at all. It's one of those missing. I'll see, uh, I can, I'll see if I can get that put on YouTube or something. I need to build I, a YouTube channel anyway. Yeah. So Alexis Davis, did you have any idea she would turn out to be who she eventually would be? No. She's tough, man. <laughs> no shit. Glad I got that W back then. Yeah. So it God, says online now. <laughs> third round cut stoppage 423. How close was that fight up until this point? It was going to the third round. Like I won the first, she won the second. It's a toss up. And how did the cut, how, how did the bleeding start? A knee. It was a knee. I need her in the face. She, she did something where she thinks she was, I, this is my recollection of it. I, it, it doesn't look quite the same. When I watched it, I've watched it a few times. It doesn't look quite the same the way I remember it. I remember it as we were kind of clinched up on the cage. And it was sort of a loose kind of clinch. And it's like she she put her head down. She hung her head down on the side. And I brought up my knee, a side knee, like a, up like eh, to the side. I caught her in the eye. Maybe that wasn't how it happened. That's how I remember it in the cage, though. No, and who was cornering you? Who was cornering? Great. Who was cornering you at this time? Eddie. Eddie, Eddie was. Steve, Joey. Yeah, Joey Bentz. Eddie was. Uh, you can't miss. I mean, Eddie could be in the in the top of the stadium in the very last row, and you can hear him. Like you can't yeah. not hear him. He has this voice that's just. I don't want to say it's shrill. It's not shrill, but you can hear him wherever the hell he is like very distinctively steve i couldn't always pick up one i couldn't always pick up on his voice but eddie i could hear eddie i always hear eddie so he was there there's a picture of him right behind me i'm sitting on the stool in between rounds and he's like on the cage like talking to me there's a picture of that that's cool that, that's yeah. super cool so yeah. you had mentioned that you switched management, uh, you know, a few fights prior to this. Um, how was your experience with Monty Cox? Oh, um, it was, it was good. It was good. I mean, I just, I mean, I'd known who Monty was for years. I mean, I knew who Monty was when I first came into the sport in like 2001. I knew who he was. Um, and like he was, he managed all of my idols. He managed all the people I looked up to in the sport. Everybody from Militich and everybody like that. I mean, those, those were my heroes. Like, like Jens Palver is like, was my, is my end all be all favorite fighter of all Absolutely. time. Yes. <laughs> That's where that goes. Jens, then Fedor. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. cool. So like, and like I, of course, I knew Monty from all of that. I'd been on different shows. I, I, I knew Monty from when I fought Jen Hale, and I got fucked up. I mean, you know. Um, so, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I, I know what happened. I remember. I was so NCFC. Jeff, oh, Jeff Clark and Matt Stancil. They were managing me, and Matt had started matchmaking for Bellator or something. 
and Jeff was doing something and they split apart and I it's like it's like um it's like when a couple divorces who gets the kids like half of them went with Jeff half of them went with Matt I remember me and Dominic Cruz went with Matt um and then Jeff would still coach me when I was trying to handle shit myself I was just not good at it um but I called Monty up and I asked him, I told him what was going on. I asked him what I should do. I just asked him for advice. I didn't ask him to manage me because at that time I was talking to IFL Yama <laughs> and, and uh, something else. AFL? I don't know. So I don't, I don't fucking remember. There was three of them. And I was just like, I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know what to do. Miguel, you didn't, you didn't prepare me for that. Like, <laughs> that was over my head. That was above my pay grade. I, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do there. So I called up Monty. And I was like, look, this is what's going on. I don't know what to do. And he, he was like, well, I swear I'd never manage another woman. I'd never manage another female. Jen Howe was the only woman that I ever managed. But uh, I'll help you out. Ended up managing me for like nine years. That's good. It's good. It's good. It worked because I was by then I was becoming an old dog, and he had been managing old dogs, so I fell into that category. Yeah, you, know, you get taken care of. Good, good pay. You know, he put you in a good <laughs> spot. <laughs> <laughs> the pay was shit. <laughs> the pay was terrible. Well, it was worse speaking. Than- Dude, Bodog was the heyday. Well, okay, no, all right. So after Bodog, I have to say, Matt Stansel, Matt and Jeff got me this crazy, crazy deal with AFL, which never, nothing materialized. I never had a fight with them. I had a $65,000 sign-on bonus. I was making $5,000 a month as a consultant. And my fight, my Did you get that money up front? Yeah, I got the 65 G's. I also got five grand a month for like four months until they closed up. That's insane, dude. I don't even think they were doing like an affiliate program. Iron Heart Crown was going to be part yeah, of it. I know. You were supposed I was supposed to fight, to fight Roxanne Monteferi for the second I mean, time on that show. And Miguel, they spread out all this cash. And Tara wasn't the only one that got money. From them. Bobby Lashley when, got a lot of money too. When who? Who did? Bobby Lashley got a lot of money too. Bobby Lashley. So in essence, what happens is I think they do one event. And Bobby may have lost to Joe Hurley. Joe. Oh, I'm not saying the name right. It's not Joe Hurley. It's 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 Joe something with an H, J with an H. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's been years since I looked at that record. So what we're looking at is these people have like one event and now it's, Hey mom and dad, we got other stuff we got to do that I need more cash for. And they're like, well, I think we probably give you about 150, 200 at this point. He was working out of a hedge fund. (laughs) Shit got, shit got tight. (laughs) That was it. That was it. My, 
What's my your recollection contract, of that whole situation? My contract was for $750,000. <laughs> it's amazing. You only got one of that out of the way. <laughs> Jeez. I got 60, 65, 85 grand. At least with Bodog, we got a few fights out of you for that. I know, right? <laughs> so, so you know, now, what did you hear about them closing down? What was the reason? I got an email. I got an email. They, so, uh, you remember when shit, cr- the stock market or whatever crashed in the October two thousand eight, right? Yeah, I remember that. I took a hit. Okay. So what happened was they were operating out of this hedge fund and they were one of the smaller companies to, to, to be honest. And this hedge fund or however it works, it cut off all the smaller companies so it could keep the larger companies going. That's how it was explained to me. And then, but with, with the assumption that they would resume, you know, operations eh, once things cleared up or got better or whatever the hell but um they kept stringing me along telling me this and that and i was under contract with them like contract like for real i mean that's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. that's it's a pretty serious fucking contract um so they strung me along. i they and they wouldn't let go they wouldn't let go of me. They wouldn't let me fight anywhere else. So I sat for 14 months. Did they try to make you buy your contract back in order to fight? Mm-mm. They didn't even offer you that? Mm-mm. Like some of the money? Like you give us some of the money back? Mm-mm. No, they just sat on me. Kind of like kind of like a Nick Diaz situation. Mm-hmm. And Eddie, remember Eddie had issues with um, it was Bellator, I think. Yeah, it was a contract deal. Mine didn't get as much. Do you think they were trying to shop your contract? Do you think they were trying to shop your contract to people in order to get a return on it? No, I don't think so at all. I think they 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 kept telling me that they were going to start up again. They kept saying that that you know we're you know after a little bit we're going to throw a show. We're going to throw a show. Okay, 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 yeah, right. Right on. Wow. I really didn't need that at that point because I hit I had hit my peak. I was peaking. And my career was peaking at that time. And then I went on that 14. I, I didn't fight for 14 months until I finally came back in 2009. Against whoever. Well, you're January 2009, you fought Alexis Davis. Alexis, Alexis, yes. Yeah. Now, that's a hell of a fight after a 14 month layoff. Yeah, it's, that's not easy. That's not no easy. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, no kidding. Yeah, and then, um, triangle, it sucked. Yeah. And then, like, if I, the next fight I picked off your record, Corey Fisher um, was in charge of an event called Moosin, and he had something prior to this. The name escapes me. I'll probably remember it after this interview's over. And essentially, he comes from like the tough man circuit. Like he's mm. he's doing the whole tough man thing. Comes over in MMA because regulation pretty much just shut them down. And you know he's an MMA guy now. 
And he's got the foresight and, you know, understanding of how big a rematch between you and Roxanne Matafari would be. And that was at a catch weight of 130 pounds. Mm -hmm. Was that your choice or hers for that catch weight? It was hers. Because I would have done, I was 125. Yeah. Like you were solid at 125. Yeah. She couldn't make it. So I was like, all right, 130, whatever. Why did that fight uh, like appeal to you? Because you guys were in different weight classes and you guys were both established. Okay. I remember when it was offered. That's that's AFL wanted to make that my first fight with them. Yes. They wanted to do it with the Ironheart Crown, which um, it was yeah. at the UIC Pavilion. Yes. And your fight got pulled about a week before because Ironheart Crown hadn't received their money in order to make that fight happen. I was actually at that Ironheart Crown event. Yeah, and I had gone, and at that time, I was like, I was still messed up from the whole Adrian thing. And I came back down here to North Carolina to train with Team Rock. I came back. I came back to train with Spence. And then I got word while I was down here, I was staying in a hotel. I was living in a hotel. And I, I got word that shit was canceled. I was just like, uh. Like how far out from the fight were you? Uh, when you found out it was canceled, I don't remember. It it was, it wasn't it wasn't like a week. Now it was like I was just getting ready to start. I think really ramping it up. My training camps aren't long. I don't do long training camps. I can't. I break down too. too well, I think you I, kind of stay in shape, and then like you yeah. just kind of tweak what you need. Pretty much. Like, yeah, you're one of those types. Training. How was your dealing with Corey Fisher as a promoter? I have no idea. You didn't deal with him at all? I don't think so. When was that? What year? That was 2010. 2010. Monty, Monty handled it. Yeah, he, he was tied in with Moose and it was a Polish organization tied in with Pujanowski. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tim Sylvia. Yeah, was on that yeah. card, and yeah. essentially Pujanowski, whatever money he received from the pay per view rights in Poland, kind of carried the card. And Corey, slippery dude, very interesting, very interesting how he handled himself, very mm-hmm. interesting. I respect what he's done. You know, I respect what he's done. I think he's doing like the last time I talked to him, which was about a decade ago, he was doing. Got out of the sport of MMA and was doing sales for hair replacements. For what? Hair replacements. Follicle <laughs> transplants. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how people go down are, these Is that how you paths. know him? Are you a client? I, 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 nah, I'm a proud ball guy. <laughs> nah, proud ball guy. Um, from there, you go back to Japan and damage MMA. You fight... Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Takayahashi. And I mean, you you, got to remember, like, this is your your first loss in about seven years that you just suffered. How was your mental state coming back from that? Did it bother you? Uh, I, I was I was embarrassed. I felt really I felt bad because I felt bad 
all the people that had put all their time into me that had spent so much time working with me and training with me and blood, sweat, and tears on the mats and traveling the roads with me. I let them down. I felt like I disrespected them. Dude, I didn't, I didn't train for the Roxanne fight. I trained for nine days. There what was, was the reason for that? There was a lot of shit going on. I got, I got tied up with some shit. And then I was also at that time, I was on Adderall. At that time, I had That's a prescription. That's a cardio killer. That's a cardio yeah, no killer. I've never had a problem with cardio. I'm I'm goddamn cardio queen. Um, but I had really, 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 really bad anxiety. I have really bad anxiety. I had a prescription for Adderall. So if anybody wants to go and try and say she's a cheater, no, I'm not. And fucking New Jersey Athletic Commission knew about it and cleared me, and I was okay with New Jersey. Um, so I was having serious problems with anxiety and I, was this manufactured on your end, do you think, or was, was there other moving parts? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, even you're looking at a seven year win streak. I couldn't leave the house. But but that's also a lot of pressure that somebody can put themselves under. And I'm not sitting here trying to. I'm not trying to manufacture an excuse for you. It's all self-inflicted. I mean, all of it. There's there's no outside factor. That, that What? Oh, it's me and my fucking emotional shit, I'm sure. I mean, who? nobody else did that. It's just me sitting alone in a fucking house. Like, who's... Do you think who marijuana would have helped? Anything? Huh? Do you think marijuana may have helped at that point? I don't know. Um, I had smoked weed off and on. Um, shit, since 2000, 2001, whatever. But while I've always been a huge advocate for weed and for legalization and for medical and all of that, um, I'm, I'm one of these people that I need to smoke at night because I'm kind of, I'm a stupid stoner. Like I'll sit here and look at your house plant for like, six hours like, <laughs> like miguel exactly. you and i've, I've spoke with you before mm-hmm. i'm just i'm stupid like i'm stupid stoner like i'll sit there and watch the grass like so takayahashi at this time is 18 and 2 or no uh, she's 12 and 2 you are 18 and 2 and you're still fighting out of the philadelphia fight factory and yes. hashi was widely regarded as the best female fighter coming out of japan oh man you you look at her record it's just plain as day like, so you got Shu Harata, one of Miguel's buddies. Um, I love Shu. <laughs> cornering Hashi. You know, he's the one that kind of put it together. And it's for the Damage MMA uh, title. I asked for that. I oh, asked shit. for five rounds. I wanted five rounds. I needed five rounds because I didn't think that I could finish her in three. I asked for that. I pushed for that really hard. That I think that's probably why you won that fight. Yeah. yeah, it was 100%. I needed the extra rounds. I know I'm good. I'm good in the, the third, fourth, and fifth round. I always lose the first round. I suck. I'm a slow starter. I know this. Um, yeah, no, that, that, uh, that, that was a hard I drag you into yeah. the deep waters, you're going to drown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Were you surprised at Takaya and how well she performed? No. Mm-mm. I expected her to. 
I expected it to be a hard fight. Yeah, impressive performance. Impressive performance by her. And, you know, I, I'd say like another, Miguel, we talked about this dispersal with Brian Garrity. Um, one of the next standout fights was Karina Dam. She submits Karina Dam with a heel hook. I never expected that. In, in that shark fights. That was nuts. Right on. In Lubbock, so, Texas. <laughs> so Karina is like 15 and 5 at the time. She weighs in at 126 pounds. And she's fighting out of Finney's MMA in St. Louis. So she was kind of, Karina was bouncing around the Midwest before she made yeah. it to American Top Team. It's, she's got like an interesting kind of pattern of, of, you know, going to different gyms. And that absolutely on paper was one of those, oh shit, Tara's in another fight. Like, whoa. Like, so you got Roxanne, in my opinion, you got Roxanne. You got Hashi, Karina Dam, three studs. And I mean, we talked about other tough fighters, but these are people that are peaking when you're peaking. You know, it's not like you're catching them on the way up, mm-hmm. like you, Alexis Davis. Yeah, I took the Karina Dam fight on five days' notice. I, I got it as, and you were Maybe sick for six. a few days, and Karina kind had prior, and then. Um, Karina had a hard time making weight. Yeah, and I was being I was being shitty because I remember I didn't really like her so much in Bodog. There was some kind of a conflict. I didn't like her. We didn't like each other. I don't remember what the fucking deal was. I honestly can't remember what it was. Um, but I was shocked that you two never met in Bodog. Uh, she was twenty five. I was thirty five. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you made 25, you know, like. Oh, not until the end. Not until Cody Welshman. Huh. Remember, I had the title, 135. All of my fights, Buckner, Berzikova, Baszler, Cobalt, even before that, Kedzi, Akano, Roxanne, they're all at 35. That was all 35. So, from there, like, you, you, you gym jump. Again, I cleaned go- out the division. I yeah, cleaned out an entire division. I had to go down. There's nobody else to fight. So wasn't hadn't even risen up by then. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, and then you, you go to Jackson Winklejohn in New Mexico shortly after this fight. What's what's the stop in between? Korean and Dam was 2011, and then Philadelphia Fight Factory shut down at the end of 2011, and Monty placed me at Matt Humes. Jim, oh, that's when you go over to walk back to Washington. Yeah, okay. Monty placed me out there. That's the first time I've been out to Washington since Adrian died. So, some okay. uh, that was tough. Um, I had the greatest apartment. Oh, it was so nice. It was in Kirkland, it was two blocks from Juanita Beach. It's really, really nice. Um, I liked his gym, I liked his gym a lot. It had white mats, it was big, it's very nice. Um, I liked his coach. This dude that always worked with me, I, can't, I thought his name was Trevor. I can't remember what the hell his name was now, but he was great. Really liked him a lot. And then there was next door, they had uh, the strength and conditioning place. And man, they hooked me up. They put like the cardio shit on me. And they, I had like, they told me what to do and how to do it. And I was like, yes, on it. No problem. Dude, I loved him. My time there was great. 
Hume wouldn't feel me though. He didn't like me. He didn't like that. I I didn't represent his style. I didn't represent his gym. Um, because he wouldn't I allow just, you to represent his gym. Am I correct? No, he didn't. He like sent me to Monty placed me there for an upcoming fight I had with with Kelly Warren. Okay. In fucking Nebraska, yeah. Um. So he placed and 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 Matt did it as a favor to Monty. He didn't want me there. He wasn't really into it. He wasn't. Why, really why do you think that was? I mean, even though you had a different style of jujitsu, I mean, could you not adapt? He t- no. He told me that it was because I didn't represent the style of his gym, and that I needed to be there for a year and not fight. I needed to be there for at least a year and not fight until I got until I reflected his style. But I think there was more to it than that. There was the he. I don't. He was not. I don't think he was cool with a with a chick fighter. I don't know. Was there other women at the gym at the time, or was it just yourself? Um, there, there was, but it was like lower level, just just okay. classes. They're just in a class, classes, not trying to fight or anything like that. Um, yeah, Matt's one of those old school guys. Yes. With like, uh, respect, respect. Um, you know, it is. It's his gym. It's his way. It's, it is what it is. It's his and gym. That's got, it. It's his it's, gym. And he's That's successful it. at what he does. How can you? How can you buck that? So was Jeff Monson, somebody for their success? Was Jeff Monson ever there at the same time you were? No. So you missed him at ATT and you missed him in Washington. Oh, no, I didn't miss him at ATT. I saw him at ATT a few times. Matter of fact, he worked with me once or twice. He's such He's a nice one of the guy. most interesting guys in all of MMA. He is so intelligent. He is such a nice man. I really don't think I've ever come across. He's one of the nicest people I've met in the sport. I'm not kidding. You know who he is, Miguel. If you really think about it, okay, Dennis Hallman. We have Dennis. We had Aaron <laughs> Riley on, and Aaron Riley tells us horrible things that Dennis Hallman used to do to Jeff Monson. And we're like, Hallman's like a 55, 70 year. There's no way this happened. We get on with Hallman. Hallman not only confirms everything, but adds. Like, like urinating on toothbrushes of all of his family members and putting mm-hmm. taking pictures of it, putting pictures in an envelope and handing them the envelope like a month later so we can see it on the way home, taking the front seat out of his car it's like when he was at work and Jeff had to like sit on bags of leaves to drive home, like just just bizarre crazy stuff. And like you talk to Jeff about it, and he's like, "Oh man, that was a good one. Yeah, they got me there. Yeah, they got yeah. me there." And it was just like. He's such a huge, ginormous guy that doesn't yeah. mind being on the he receiving end you. of a he cruel joke. Easily. <laughs> but he, he enjoyed being a part of like this weird dynamic of being a, with, with a cruel joke. And everyone we talked to that has dealt with him has a crazy Jeff Monson story attached to him. I think he was probably a gentleman in front of you. I think that's what he was. I, I've heard stories. <laughs> yes. I, I was never around him that much, just a few times, but I only really got to work with him, I think, once or twice when I was at ATT. He was just very so, nice. He showed me what he showed me. We worked on whatever. It might have been something to do with knee bars or leg locks or some shit like that. I don't remember what it was because I wasn't very good at him. 
back so how was your time at uh, Greg Jackson's gym? <sighs> Greg Jackson's. Go, going down to Albuquerque and going to Jackson's was like the Disneyland of MMA. It was like the Disney World of MMA. Like, I walked into that gym. And number one, first off, I walk into the gym. Nobody, nobody knew I was coming because I'm not, I don't like put my shit out there. I'll put my business out there. I never do. I walked in and like, I think Clay Guida was one of the first people to say, La Rosa. <laughs> I've known him from like MFC and like shows and fights. I've been around by that time. I've been around for fucking ever. Like, everybody knows me. So like I walked into the gym. I swear to God, it was like a reunion. Like with the, all these people that I had encountered at, at shows and Bodog and fights and other places and fucking grappling tournaments and it was like it was awesome. I, I got a it question for you. Great. So so here you know we established early with Shelby Walker and then Karina Dam and and uh, and then uh, Gina Carano that you really don't like the divas so. Tell me a John Jones story. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Look at that lead in. Miguel, that was a really good segue. <laughs> Johnny's special. <laughs> Johnny's a special boy. Um, he's he's really great. He's really great he's really awesome he really is i mean like <laughs> okay i'll tell you a good one like i'll tell you a good one so he had just gotten that i don't know who the fuck gave it maybe it was the ufc sponsored i don't fucking know he had just gotten that new raptor that big was it a the ford raptor where it was yeah. i don't know but he had just gotten it and so like him and me and there was like maybe three or four other people. We all climbed into this fucking truck one day. This is after training. Um, <laughs> we climbed into the truck and we went out into the desert and we went playing around on dunes. And so we're out there and like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I can drive a truck and farm kid. I have yeah. a truck. That's what I do. No, so we're out house. there and he, we get going to Albuquerque. So we get going up this I don't know if it's a dune. I don't know if you can really consider it a mountain, like a, a, a hill or something, but it's very rocky. And it looked like there was a path to drive up there. <laughs> but it wasn't really a path. I don't think it was a path at all. And so we got going up this thing, and it's pretty steep. Like, it's pretty straight straight up. Like, you probably shouldn't drive up this. I don't think anything had driven up this, but it kind of looked like something had. So we kept going, and he gets this truck up there, and couldn't get it back down. <laughs> and he's like, Johnny kind of crazy. I mean, we get, 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 get kind of crazy. And he got out on top of this truck and he's on top of it. Big ass John Jones is out on top of this truck. Everybody else is out of the truck because it was going to flip over. It was about to flip over. We're on the side of this thing, this rocky mountain thing. A wedge. Okay. Something is huge. I don't know what it was. 
But now, apparently, uh, th this can't be true. I don't know why this happened, but I must. Maybe I had the most, either the, the, the biggest balls or the most experience with trucks. But I got in the driver's seat and I got the truck off the side of the mountain with John Jones on top of it. <laughs> like, woo! like going crazy and shit and what the fuck ever. I'm like, well, that happened. <laughs> Holy shit. There you go. Holy cow. So, when did you live in Missouri? Oh, Christ. Missouri was. Missouri was after. Okay, so my last fight was in May 2015. I went home to, to help my folks because the farm was in trouble. And eight months later, I finally left to go. I was heading back down to Jackson's because actually I wasn't going to Jackson's. I was going to stay at the BMF ranch. Uh, Cowboy had a room for me. I was going to train there. And because um, the split had happened and it went to Jackson Winks. And I'm not one of Winks kids. I was one of Greg's kids. If anybody knows the history of that place, then they know that there there was Greg's kids and there were Wink's kids, uh, and and for the most part, Greg's kids got the shaft when they moved into the new place. Um, <laughs> more on that some other day, but so I was headed back down to Albuquerque, and I kind of got sidetracked. I kind of got stuck in like a, a, a relationship, sort of. And I ended up in Missouri. I stopped and I stopped through Missouri to say hi or hang out with this dude that I've been friends with and ended up in a relationship. I ended up living there in, in, in his parents' basement with him for... <laughs> Uh, six months, ish. Six months. Yeah, until that Yo, Tara, until that went south, and then like well, Tara, I, I, Tara, I ended up living at, in the gym after that. <laughs> you're looking at six months of not paying rent. You, you know, like yeah, sometimes I, you got to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. So, that. What, what gym were you working out at at the time while living in Missouri? Steve Burger's gym. Okay. Yeah. Steve was cool. Steve was old school. And Steve did things old school. And Steve would beat your fucking ass old school. <laughs> I liked Steve. Steve was cool. Steve's another look at you veteran there. Did you yeah, know? Yeah, we Steve? had him on the other day, actually. We had Steve. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, we love Steve. We <laughs> love Steve. So. Were you helping out at a mixed martial art event where a tragedy took place? Yeah. At that time? Do you care to yeah. talk about that? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so I'd been, I'd been training at Steve's since April. I got there. I, I started training in April 2016. Okay. Yeah. April 2016. Uh, and I ended up living in the gym in their the upstairs storage room slash kitty daycare 
area okay. kids play center because the relationship went south with the dude who I was living with in his parents' basement. And um, now I was broke. Imagine that. <laughs> no bird dog money left. Um, so I ended up living in the gym and teaching classes and teaching privates and stuff like that sometimes and um, trying to train. I broke my foot. Couldn't walk. It was not good. I didn't have any insurance. Um, I, I ended up to the point of I was, ba- I was back to donating plasma for money again. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> so um, then finally there is a, a show. Uh, and so I was just, you know, I was working at the show. I was helping out the show. I was staging. Um, so who, what, what, what local show was this? I don't know. Steve threw it. Okay. Steve show. I remember okay. what it's called. Um, but this this guy, he had come into the gym like three weeks prior to the show. Kevin, maybe his name was Kevin. I don't fucking remember. He came into the into the gym three weeks prior to the show, and so I took time with him, like kind of like an orientation thing. Where I went, I took him over to the side and I just showed him all the, like, you know, orientation type shit. Like, terminology and, like, what mount is, what guard is, what, you know, yeah, choke so like, Shit style. like that. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, cut your nails, take a shower. Yeah, shit like that. Um, and I worked with him for, like, two hours. Uh, he, he, wanted, he wanted to roll, he wanted to fight. Yeah, he wanted to fight. I was just like, all right, cool. Calm the fuck down. You ain't ready for that shit. Um, never saw him again. He never came back in. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, we're at the show uh, that night. And I'm staging. And motherfuckers fighting on the show. <laughs> Against some ex-marine like some dude that had been in the marines he was like ripped shredded he had like fucking abs and obliques and shit all over the place and everything i was like oh this is not gonna work out real well um but anyway that was tough too as i had to scramble to find gloves and shin pads and stuff for everybody it was a mess it was a shit show but we get going through the show and I'm backstage and I'm doing my thing and I'm back and forth, getting everybody ready, staged on deck and whatever. And I hear, I hear them call for people to come to the cage, come to the cage. And, and you can hear there's like shit, like the, the audience is, doesn't sound right. Uh, they, they were like, everybody was like, like horrified. And you can kind of see out, I see out there. There he is, fucking laying dead in the middle of the fucking cage. And uh, I guess the, the medics, I ran out there. I fucking ran out there. Uh, I got to the cage and the medics were in the cage and they were like working on him. And I grabbed, there was a woman who was losing her fucking shit and she was sobbing and she was shaking. It turned out to be his mom. Oh. I ended up, I ended up, she's watching her kid. Her fucking kids laying there dead in the middle of the fucking cage. Dead. Like, not there. Gone. Gone. He's dead. Like, people don't... Uh, you know what? People have lost track of what death is. Death is no. gone. 
over. It's it's unsettling just watching a parent having to bury their own child. It's exactly yeah. the opposite of what's supposed to take place. Wow. And so I went, like, I, I ran out there and I, I'm holding this woman. And I guess they, 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 I don't know if they got him back or whatever. I, I don't know, but they put him on the, the, the thing, the stretcher, they wheeled him out in the ambulance and off he went. I mean, they got him back. He survived, but I was very, very mad. I did was, he die or did he, he, he live? He lived. Okay. So he did live after that. Wow. They got him back. Was it like, did they cut his brain open and relieve the pressure or was it a heart attack? I don't know. I don't remember. <clears throat> I have no idea. I just know that I was furious. I was so mad. I was mad that he was on the show because he had no experience. I was mad that he was matched up with who he was because the guy did have experience. I was just, I mean, it was, went against every goddamn thing that I stood for that I'd always fought against. Because I took off, like, I fucking went after promoters. I went after people, you know, for doing shit like that. For fucking with fighters and for making mismatches and for, for feeding people to their, their fucking, their ticket sellers and shit. I really made it a mission of doing that. That was one of my big things. I think I, I told Ariel Hawani that one time. I told him, I was like, you know what? Once I'm done with this, he asked me, he's like, oh, are you going to, like, open your own gym? Or are you going to teach? What are you going to do? I was like, you know what? I want to get into, I want to work with the commissions. I want to get into working with the commissions. I want to straighten this shit out because while things are progressing with pro fighters and with like regulations and rules and stuff like that, nothing is happening with, with amateurs and these kids are getting taken advantage of and getting hurt. And this just all came right back around <clears throat> and it just, ah, is furious. I left, I left the gym. That's why I left the gym. I think I, I, it was, <clears throat> Deep came in on a Monday and we got, we got into it. I, I, I was very mad and I was gone next day, packed, packed the truck up. And I took off to Boulder City, Nevada. Okay. <laughs> So wh when did you move to Michigan? Yeah, I know you worked out at uh, Fuse MMA in yeah. Detroit. Um, I was in I was in Nevada for eight months, I guess, something like that. Well, that was a shit show. That that was that was a waste of. I hate Nevada. I don't like Vegas. I don't want nothing to do with that place. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable there. I don't want to be there. So then if that went to Michigan. Um, and I, I liked it. It was a good gym. It was, um, I was, um, was it Bobby Nash? Yeah. Bobby was there and I knew him from, I knew him from, um, at, from Jackson's. He, he would come down there and do a camp at Jackson's and he would live in the dorms. I'd lived in the dorms too. I'm a broke ass fighter. <laughs> now you mentioned hating Vegas. Now you did spend a season on the Ultimate Fighter, and that would have been in Vegas, or or am I am I off here? What was like? I remember like observing that from a distance, like I wasn't like involved or talking to you or anything like that. But 
it, it does seem like they blew an opportunity to like celebrate people and like kind of treated people bad. What was your overall experience with that? Do you remember? Yeah, I lost my fight to get in the house now. Yeah, she can have- after three days. Three days. That, that's what it took, huh? Yeah. Um, we flew out there. We we did some some B roll stuff. Did some interviews. Hype this. Hype that. Talk this. Talk that. Cut a little bit of weight. I didn't have to cut any weight. It was at one thirty five. I didn't cut weight. It's too much. It's too high. I I carried. I by then now I couldn't. I can't fight one thirty five. There's no way. These these chicks are monsters now. Um. I carried people in and out of the sauna. Yeah, that was that was a good time. Uh, and then walked right in, made weight. And then the next day, dude, that was, oh, God. Just, it was like the, the perfect storm to just not work out in, in my, in my direction at all. Because I don't, I, I mean, it's no secret. I don't like Misha. Misha and I don't get along for a lot of reasons. You know, you guys um, used to be training partners and then a kind of rivalry came about. Is this like another diva type situation? Yeah, she was. A, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, how was she as a training partner? It's fucking bullshit. She was bullshit. I have to go like 30% with her. She was worthless. She wasn't worth my fucking time. This is why I don't like training with women. I don't train with women. I don't like training with women. Uh, and then, then, then there's the caddy fucking bullshit. She was only there to fuck fighters. She was there looking for a date. She tried to run through the whole fucking gym. She's chasing Caraway because Caraway and her had a one night stand and she fucking fell in love and then chased him down there to the fucking gym and infiltrated the gym. And then to try and make him jealous, she tried to sleep with every fucking guy in the gym until she did. One poor fucking schmuck named Apollo Martinez, who she did end up finally, I mean, they got into some kind of relation. He was a res kid. He was an Indian Indian reservation kid. And uh, he fucking loved her, thought that she was the greatest thing in the world. And she was using him to try and make Caraway jealous. And so Apollo was actually a very good fighter um, and was working his way up the amateurs in, in Washington state. And he was great. This kid had potential. He had fire. He had hunger. He listened and he'd won two titles by then, but he stepped up in competition a little bit and he lost and guys, he got his jaw broken, I think in, in the fight. And he was on some kind of, steroids or something to help it or whatever the fuck which was messing with him to begin with plus the loss plus dealing with misha and and me whatever misha whatever and then uh, uh you know what fuck it i'm gonna fucking say it i'm gonna motherfucking tell it here it comes y'all ready <laughs> mm-hmm. so i guess they 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 uh we, we i i i just gotten back from from fighting for Bodog, I, I fought Julia Berzikova up in Vancouver, Canada. And I was back in the gym. It was a Monday, I think. I think it was a Monday. And I didn't train. I just had a fight. I didn't train. But I was there. I stopped in. And we're sitting there. And I'm sitting in one of metal chairs. Ran the side mat. And Apollo, 
is sitting on the floor in front of me. He just got done training. And Misha was sitting there too. And we were making plans for the weekend because there was fights in Seattle, which was like an hour and a half away. So who was going to drive? We were just making, you know, plans. Who's driving over? What time are you going? Where are we meeting? You know, whatever. On and on. Cool. Um, so I guess left gym, went home, whatever. That night, uh, they must have gotten into a fight or something because uh, she lived up in uh, – um, shit i can't remember it right now but it's where central washington university is i can't remember the name of the town and he lived down closer to the gym wherever the reservation is and they must have gotten into it on the phone and he was he was like depressed you know like whatever i guess they've been having problems or whatever and uh he he says to her he says to her well maybe it would just be better if i wasn't here maybe just better if i you know killed myself or maybe or this and that and the other. And she motherfucking told him, well, maybe you're right. Mm. And I've been sitting on that since 2006, seven. I've been sitting on that. Ask me again why I hate Misha Tate. He killed himself that night. He hung himself. Ask me again why I hate Misha Tate. She killed my fucking training partner. She killed my brother. Yeah, that's that's not. It's not some petty fucking bullshit like her and Rhonda. Oh, oh, the rivalry of the century. Why? Because you don't like each other's face. Yeah, I got a real fucking reason to hate that bitch. She fucking killed my brother. She killed my training partner. I don't hate people for no reason. I don't fucking hate people for no reason. Fuck her. There you go. Damn. No, nah, it's bigger than fights, man. That's real life shit. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you, know you know, Tara, like, like, you can't control the actions of other people. You really can't. And no, you can't, but you can be a decent fucking human being. Well, l- let me let me grab one of your words here and try, try to switch it a little bit so that we're not all, you know, in the same in the same thing you mentioned Rhonda too now Rhonda brings up a little bit of a different kind of you know I, at some point I remember you not liking Rhonda and then kind of Rhonda kind of lifted the sport everybody kind of liked her a little bit like where so where do you fall on the Rhonda Rousey bandwagon how did it feel with her getting a UFC belt without even getting a UFC fight <laughs> I liked her she was legit I liked her she was I legit she was legit as fuck. Yeah, she was, yeah. she was, she, she really was. Everybody wants to hate on her after she lost and everything, but that bitch was fucking legit. It's a hell what. of a run. Hell of a run. Fuck that was. Well, yeah, let me ask you a question. Like, when, when you, you were like kind of the number one girl before UFC. Now UFC comes along, they bring her along and stuff like that. Like, like she really, I, I, I almost feel like she disrespected you and a lot of the older school girls. How'd you get over that? Oh, Christ. I just dealt with all that with Gina. I was over it by now. Like, I went through, oh, like, I went through all that crazy shit with Gina where, like, she, like, she was just, she was, she was really marketable. And they gave her chicks that were undersized, 
remember the 145 pound division or the 140 pound division for Elite XC and then Gary Shaw with the three minute matches, three minute rounds for women and shit like that. Okay, whatever. Um, so I had been through all that shit. I'd just been through it. So I was just like kind of over it. At least Rhonda came from some really high level shit. Like Olympic ladder. She's Olympian. Dude, I know what judo takes because I was going to climb that ladder, remember? That's what I started out in. Um, at first, I was like, oh, God, here we go again. But then I I quickly I assessed that, and she was legit. She Did was... you work out with her? No, I never had a chance to. Did that you ever meet her at all or talk to her? At- yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> she described me as a walking soundbite. <laughs> well, uh, go ahead and talk about that meeting a little bit because that, that definitely... Uh, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, where, where'd that go down? I like Ronda. Ronda's fucking awesome. Um, so, the ultimate fighter. So I was, I was supposed to win the damn show and I didn't even make it into the house. Fucking sucks. Embarrassing. Yeah. Talk you know, about embarrassing. Ugh. But uh, Rhonda and Misha were the coaches for that. I ended up getting put in Misha's fucking locker room. Dude, we could we could do a whole two-hour interview just about that. <laughs> uh, like, serious. But I I met Rhonda there. And so we it's like we formed this little crew, sort of like it was like 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 um jasmine duke shana me uh marina was there marina marina was there with Rhonda because they from judo you know had come in they're your training partners knew each other real well or, or something like that um so i was just kind of like you know just like basically that day just like sort of hanging out you know whatever until i had to go fucking into the shit fucks <laughs> locker room well you're you're in 11 years as a pro at this time you know like if you look at the shelf life of a pro fighter it's about half of that you know and you're still on the grind and you're up a weight class like it's I'm too stupid i'm too it's stupid. a perfect recipe you know for you know for a disaster yeah yeah well, while you're out there did, did you ever run into dana yeah at the ultimate fighter he like he like talked to me like personally like when he's like giving the whole pep. The guy's speech. legit. He guy's is, legit. He's giving the pep speech. He's giving the pep talk, or whatever, and tell us why we're here. And the cameras are rolling. Like he's just like some of you have been in this for a really long time, and your it's your your time is due or something. He's talking directly to me, and then I fucking blew it the next day. You awesome. know, <laughs> if you watch his post fight press conferences. Like he's he's a guy that does the work, you know. Like, like he, he he's I one like of us. Him. He gets his hands I dirty. Never took, yeah, yeah, I never took on Dana. Like everybody wanted me to when I had a voice, when I had a big voice in the sport. They wanted me to. Oh well, women should be in the UFC. You know what? I never took. I never. I never took him on. Why? Why did I do that? Because to be honest, when oh. divisions developed enough at that time, there was like what maybe like ten of us that were really legit. In one division, you can't put that in the well, well, You mentioned you. You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I especially in your case, that the bottom line is, is at Bodo, you had one thirty-five, you had one twenty-five. Why didn't you fight Karina? It's because it was a different division, and 
maybe Karina had competition problems where we didn't have a full roster there or whatever, but that doesn't mean you ignore the division. And he ignored 125 for years. And really effectively at that point, that's a coffin, you know, that's a nail in the coffin for a lot of people, including yourself. It was because by then I was solidly at 125. And so they called up, they did 135. And I just, Sarah was just, she was bigger than me. She was a good bit bigger. I got stuck between her thighs, pasty white thighs. I got stuck between her thighs, <laughs> triangle. And I lost that round. And then they gave both rounds to her. And so it didn't go to a third. And then I didn't get into the house. Oh, you know, she, uh, she had a lot of respect for you, though. Like, the, the, to her credit, you know, she, she admired you as a fighter. Like, she understood history, which wow. a lot of people don't. And, uh, you know, she gave I, you the nod. I was devastated. Okay, well, uh, here, let's, let, let's, let's reverse the gears a little bit. Invicta. Um, sometimes people can be catty. And oh when, you've, when you've got a win over somebody and they become the matchmaker, do you think that kind of comes into play in some of their decision-making? Like Julie Kedzie's the matchmaker of Invicta. Shannon Knapp, obviously, is the president. And, you know, you've got to win over, over Julie Kedzie at a fight in Washington. Do you think that had any play in regards to your dealings at Invicta? What, what do they call that? Like, if you're a judge, you're supposed to recuse yourself? Like, it's a like, mat, like as a matchmaker, you should probably recuse yourself in that situation. Look, I fought her, I lost her, da, da, da. Like Herb Dean and Joe Riggs. I mean, it's kind of one of those situations. Yeah. She 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 wasn't she wasn't very glowing toward me in in the commentary. She comment commented. Yeah. I I asked her. Asked her if it was okay if I came down to Jackson's because she was HBIC down in Jackson's. Asked her if it was all right if, I, if she was cool with me coming down there and training there, living there, and she's like, "Yeah, everything's great, absolutely, come on down, whatever." I didn't know she didn't like me. <laughs> well, how, here, how was she as a training partner? Fine. We didn't train that much. I, I we we did train a little bit. We didn't train that much together. We really didn't. She was always she was always she's like Greg's assistant. Like she was always doing stuff for Greg. Like that man is involved in so much stuff. My God, like trying to keep him like his schedule straight and keep everything is like hurting cats. Like. Kedzie was had a full time job keeping Greg on track, so she really didn't. I, that is a full time job. Could have. Yeah, Should've. that is a full time job. Yeah, totally. Jesus. Oh. Um, I I mean we trained a little bit. We trained together a bit. Uh, she was always her stand ups better than mine, so she'd always get the best of me standing. But. But she would always set me up. She always set me up for something and kick me in the head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, did it surprise you to see how she elevated herself? I mean, I, I dealt with her 
when she had three or four fights on a regional level. She's from Indiana and her story, and this is out of her mouth, because I remember I was at a Doolin Classic event. I don't recall the year. And she's like, yeah, I've uh, officially sold everything. I'm moving to New Mexico. He's like, I'm going to pursue this. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, your record's like three and four. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, I, mean, I was being nice. Like, hey, good luck, good luck. But at the end of the day, she did very well for herself. You know, she applied herself on an administrative level, moved up, made it to the UFC. Like, you know, that, that's somebody that, that risked everything. Like, you know, and I understand, you know, maybe there's a little grudge between the two of you, but you're looking at somebody that risked everything for a dream and I, just somebody that does something like that. It's, hey, I've, I've got a, I've, I got some respect for that. It's She's, my personal She hustled. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So, Tara, are you, do you plan on opening up a gym? I know you probably asked that a lot. You've had some of the, you've been in some of the best training rooms in the world. You know, you're, you're certainly accustomed to understanding what works and what doesn't work. Have you thought about putting something together? I have, but I can't seem to keep from bouncing all over the country. <laughs> So I, I like I, I have issues with with um, I guess I have issues with commitment. <laughs> like I, I move a lot. Um, no, not really. Until maybe three days ago, four days ago, my sister calls me, and a little a, a little jujitsu gym. BJJ and Muay Thai opened up in my hometown, Woodstown, little tiny town. And my sister got my my uh, nephew into it. And he loves okay. it. He loves it. He's doing great. Like, it, like, like soccer didn't work out. Football <laughs> didn't work out. Basketball didn't work got, out. He's got that. Uh, he, yeah, he's got he's the got jeans. It. He's a loner. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's, he's got that uh <laughs> and he loves it and he's good at it and and the dude is some brazilian black belt dude he's good with the kids really good with the kids and i guess there's some kind of issues with him and his girlfriend and the girlfriend is just some fucking catty ass vindictive bitch and they had a fight and separated and forced him to close the gym down. He's from Brazil. So he's here on a work visa. I don't know. I don't know what the specifics are, but so instead of just allowing this guy to just run the gym and teach classes while they do whatever they're doing, working it out. I don't know. Uh, she closes the whole fucking gym down and my, my nephew is devastated. And the other kids, and then the other adults, everybody's upset about it. Because this is like a big deal in my hometown. Like, new shit doesn't come along in my hometown. Okay? Yeah, how many people live in that city? 4,000. Tell you what, you pull in a wrestling program in there, and a jiu-jitsu program. Yeah, you got judo pedigree. So, there's you, this. You, you deserve that, Tara. You deserve a home. This chick, she's like, oh, 
I want $20,000 for the gym and eh, he can't work there. And eh, like all this fucking shit. Like my sister's been dealing with it. I'm not home. I don't, I don't go, I don't do that. Um, and so she's trying to, to sell the gym out from under him for like 20 grand and all this and that. And I am. Well, a closed gym isn't worth anything. I don't know what she's trying to say. No, no, no. They still have like all of the all of the um, contracts, um, the contracts, all the members. It's making good money. It's making good money. It's making really good money. Uh, from the numbers that I have seen, my sister's been getting me information on it. From the numbers I have seen, it makes really good money. But it's ready. It's already ready. It's it's ready to go into a bigger place. It's move into a bigger place. Um, and I am, I am trying to sleep on it and not be emotionally charged about it because I don't do that, but I've always wanted kind of flirted with the idea of opening a gym in my hometown, but I have my own ideas of how i want it like i like i apparently this guy's pretty cool i don't know some brazilian dude good for kids all right i'd have him work there but i also want it to be a wrestling club because we have a oh. lot of rest around jersey and i want i want my hometown to be fucking good shit so you start a kids program ages four to six ages seven to twelve wrestling program you're fucking getting these kids involved before they get into high school you get some killers when they get in Murderers. Yes. That's what I've always dreamed of. That's what I wanted. So in addition to jujitsu and Muay Thai and MMA, if you're doing MMA or whatever, I wanted a dedicated wrestling program. It's everything. That's what I want. It plays right into MMA too, you know? It's the original mixed martial art wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, like... I, I'm I'm very very heavily considering, and, and just the way you know, just the way this bitch has been acting, just going up there and fucking throwing shit down and opening up a place, and just to fuck you, yeah. Oh, you think you're something? Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you what a gym looks like. So, so, so Tara, we we uh, I mean you. Got a shitload of fights, shitload of training. Um, yeah. One of the reoccurring questions that, that we like to ask people with as much experience as yourself is um, how are you doing with like memory and things of that nature? And how many concussions do you think you've had? Well, since I've recently said that I'm coming back into the sport, I wonder if answering that question is going to be a problem. <laughs> okay. Hey, okay. Here, let me, let me, let me ask it a different way then. Um, with the recent studies of like psilocybin, lion's mane, you know, and the cordyceps and stuff like that in regards to mushrooms and brain health, overall brain health. Have you ever um, went down the path of, of, of thinking about like trying it? I Maybe should some, some of the studies. I very much I should. You know, microdosing on psilocybin. Something they say yeah. it helps the plasticity in between, like you know, the portion sections of your brain. 
I you're, should definitely. You're 43, right? Yeah. See, now, you know, I wish that there was a proper place for athletes like, you know, that could still compete at a relatively high level. I mean, I wouldn't put you in with a, you know. No. What, what's the Brazilian girl's name? <laughs> you know, who's running the place what, right what, now. What, the, the, the young, hungry up-and-comers? Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, yeah, it's like, you know, I really think. I'm not trying with, to chase titles. <laughs> we had interviewed Joel de Oliveira, who was like 50, in good shape. You know, I, I wish there was a place. One thing you should know is. If you're going to do an MMA fight, most commissions are going to put you through extra tests over 40. You're, you're going to... There's well, here, Miguel, let's, let's forgot, talk about... I forgot about that. Up. That's right. Let's talk about a little thing we brought up earlier, but we never went down the road. Your run at Abu Dhabi, the ADCC. Yeah. We haven't even touched on your grappling yet. Well, we're like three and a half, four hours in, <laughs> and we haven't even touched on your grappling. And I skipped a lot of your fights. So, like, your body of work is incredibly impressive. Like, it really <laughs> is. Like, it's it took me a long time to get through your record. Like, I've been kind of keeping notes on you for a minute. And when Miguel goes, hey, hey, we got one coming up. We got one coming up. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I got about 50% done. Your body of work is incredibly impressive. <laughs> um, you know, we've been talking about just, like, crazy stuff in your life. So in 2007, Trenton, New Jersey, um, I think you had like a stalker show up. I don't know. I, you know, that might not be, I might not have framed that properly. You had a fan show up that was very boisterous in regards to how much he supported you, refused to sit down. The police get called. He ends up getting maced while yelling your name uh, before you go out and go into the finals. It was one of the most bizarre scenes I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Did that, that affect you before the fight? <laughs> she was crying. Tara was crying. Crazy Ray. Ray is a teammate from Team Rock. Okay. Crazy Ray is now a black belt, believe it or not. I think Crazy Ray might have, I don't know if he was a black belt back then or not. I don't remember what the fuck he was. Maybe he was purple. I don't remember. But Crazy Ray is Crazy Ray, and Crazy Ray was up there at Abu Dhabi with us because he's he is Mr. Jiu Jitsu Guru. He's been to Brazil like a million times, trains down there and shit like that. But I don't remember what sparked it or what happened or whatever. But Ray got yelling and hollering. He's a little he's a little out there. He's, he he yeah. was unhinged. Yeah, he's probably not on his meds. He's on a lot of meds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Ray in years. I'm good. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. But yeah, they 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 uh they had to remove him, I suppose. And they started beating him with the batons and shit. Uh, he and wouldn't let go of the rail. Yeah. And they kept asking him to. They maced him and he just dug in even more. Yeah. And it was Ray. it was pretty bad. It was pretty was bad. bad. I know. I was there. I mean, he was yelling your name. <laughs> yep. Who'd you, who'd, who'd you fight in the final? Crazy. Kira. Hey, Kira. Uh, that's a walk in the park. Oh, yeah. It was an easy day. Well, well talk about that. I, I, I'm not, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Kira won, right? Yes. Yeah. So, Kira silver in Abu Dhabi twice. Yeah. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. So 
Are you a black belt in jujitsu? Are you still a, a <laughs> <No>. brown? <laughs> oh, four stripe purple. I got my fourth stripe on my purple belt in 2007. Have you tested? Have you talked to anybody? No. Under who? Hoist. Under Hoist. Hoist and Hoiler. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Probably why. No, I just never got, I mean, I left, after I left Team Rock, I never landed in a gym that was, that was gi or jujitsu base, which is another fall to my fucking career because that was my game was judo and jujitsu, the ground. People still don't want to go to the ground with me. I'm like, motherfucker, I've been out for six years. Um, Like that was my shit. And then I keep going to all these gyms that are like, stand up, stand up, boxing boxing and Muay Thai and all this shit. I'm just like, dude, does anybody own a gi around here? Like at Jackson's, like I love Jackson's because of the people that were there. I got a lot of stand-up training, but it's hard because it's just not, that's not my game. I'm just not good at it. I can't do it like I can do jujitsu. I can't read it. I can't read people. Like, I can't tell what they're going to do and what I'm supposed to do in a response. I just punch people. That's what I do. I hope it lands. <laughs> <laughs> but at Jackson's, like, I, like, one of my favorite fucking people to come in the gym was Diego because me and Diego came from the grappling background and we had done all these tournaments and we knew all this stuff and the Abu Dhabi and all that shit. It was so great to be able to sit down and reminisce and talk to him. Nobody else had any fucking grappling or jujitsu in that whole gym. That was very frustrating. Very frustrating. Have you uh, maybe thought about going with Joshua Fabia? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't think I'm that far. It might help you with your belt. Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Okay. All right, no, Miguel, I, I, I'm with... four hours. We yeah, can talk no. with her forever. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to cut it off with one story because I know she she is an old school grappler. I heard a great grappling story that I just loved uh, from Gabe Redlinger. And he said that he was uh, in Japan grappling with Imanari. And he grabs Imanari and he puts him in a Kimura first time they tie up. And then Imanari heel hooked him 12 times in a row. <laughs> you know, I just love it, you know. So, so yeah, there's something this is something to be said for that old school grappling world that you come from. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I get it. I understand it. That's what I came from. I get it. I fucking get it. Oh my god. <laughs> you know what's funny? I just hit an Imanari roll for the first time two nights ago. Nice. Yo, Mike Brown. <laughs> When Mike Brown fought him, he's like, yeah, I'm not getting caught with that. No way. And he tore up Mike Brown. Mike Brown's like, yeah, I got paid $1,000 and, you know, tore my Achilles. They got home and, and, and had, got a divorce. So, yeah. Yeah, went home and got a divorce over. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. Uh. Tara, <laughs> we are coming up on four hours. You are our longest interview, and we got to have you back because we haven't even really done it. But... I, I will say one thing, and I, I say this as a complete credit. You know, she's, I've known her for years. She's one of the coolest women of all time. But if we did a voiceover and cut out her voice and put like a electric voiceover, this could be a man fighter talking. This is a fighter's experience. Man legit. Fighter, all that shit. Legit. So legit. 
Thank you, Tara. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Tara, Tara, you need to wind up with your own place, with your own little training regimen, and you need to be nice to women. You need to understand they're not you. <laughs> I know. I get I'm not like that when I'm training people. It's completely different. I train, I'll train anybody and everybody. I just, when I'm going, when I'm, when it's, when I need to be fucking serious and I'm training for a fight, I, I just, I prefer to train with men. There's just, there's yeah. a lot of reasons. It's physical. It's psychological. There's, it, you know what? I train with a dude and I can either hold my own or I can best them. What the fuck's a chick going to do to me? You know, that's, that's the mentality that I have to have. I can't have somebody coming in and trying to fuck with my head saying, but that's not correct. And then there's this, but don't you understand that they flex and they bend differently? And it's a mental, shut the fuck up. My mentality worked really fucking well that I ruled the whole goddamn world. It's true. Tara, you are a first ballot, first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your contributions to, you know, mixed martial arts. I've been a fan for many years. I appreciate your time. <laughs> hey, Tara, I'm, this is going to cut off real quick, but thank you very much for the time. Big hug, and uh, so good to talk to you and catch up. I miss you. I miss <laughs> you so much. <laughs> hey, take it easy, girl.